take you on a spin this morning. Um, there's something about this Zika thing. So let's take a look because there's a difference between Zika and malaria. And Zika was, I believe, ground zero for Zika was testing in Brazil. So that meant in early 2015, we always want to look at where the source was. So this is how it's looking to me. So a lot of handicapped and severely deformed children were cropping up in Brazil. And Zika has a lot of the same characters involved in it. So today, I'd like to document what's going on and we'll just do it in real time together because just look for the news. All I did was type in Zika, right? And did a search for the last week. Links be between dengue, Zika, and preg pregnancy complications. What I believe happened is this. They had this mosquito and they were able to manipulate it to create this Zika thing, right? And when they tested it in Brazil, they got the results they wanted, which was a population of very deformed or hand, more handicapped. Okay, the real deformed children, not real, but like these aren't real, but the deformities in children are right now coming out of Vietnam, Polygon, um, Iraq, severely deformed children. These children coming out of Brazil highly handicapped by the way that the Zika is impacting the brain during pregnancy. That's all we have to worry about, okay? Somehow they have figured out how to affect a child's brain while the mother is pregnant, okay? And so here's a couple more headlines uh, from seven days ago. Prior dang infection may make Zika virus outcomes worse. So they're saying if you've already had the dengue, the Zika is worse. So in my mind, and remember, I'm not a scientist, I believe this is all interrelated, okay? They had one mosquito that was doing one thing, then they created it into doing something else. Next headline was viral diseases. Zeng, dengue, Zika, and that chicky one, causes may rise due to El Nino, and that was the one I talked about yesterday with who. So then I had a few more things I wanted to tell you, and then I found this documentary, which includes the cast of some of our favorite characters. Dr. Fauci, <laughs> Dr. Fauci entered the picture when Zika was hitting and handicapping children in Brazil. You starting to see where this is all going? So I give you a little bit of background. Zika virus and malaria are both mosquito-borne illnesses. And since the rise of Zika first in Brazil and now overseas, many are questioning the similarities between malaria and Zika virus. Because I believe ground zero is Brazil. And I'll show further proof of that in a second here, okay? 
Zika is becoming a growing problem, and it's not only affecting the Brazil population. Because, see, how I got this information was this. I started looking over on Yandex because I didn't understand the difference between Zika virus and malaria, right? <laughs> okay, so Zika is becoming... And so when I read Brazil, then I, then I typed in, is Brazil ground zero for Zika? And that led me here, right? Because always look for the source. So Zika is becoming a growing problem, and it's not only affecting the Brazil population, and that sent me flying off to Brazil. <laughs> not literally. But sending worldwide researchers and scientists into frenzy to better understand the virus and develop proper treatments and potentially a cure. Malaria, on the other hand, has been residing in Africa for decades, and there are effective treatments available to address the illness. Although both Zika virus and malaria are transmitted through mosquitoes, the two illnesses have their respective differences, which is important to understand. So you can look for a comparison between Zika and malaria. Now, certainly I never studied science, but to me, this is looking like <laughs> the same mosquito. So let me read what got me going, okay? Over the past few weeks, news headlines have been dominated by the Zika virus, a disease that may be connected to birth defects in infants. The World Health Organization has declared Zika a public health emergency of international concern. The virus is spreading rapidly throughout Latin America and could spread to other parts of the world as well. I think what they're doing here, and then I'll continue reading in a minute, I think what they're doing here, of course they always go after the most vulnerable, right? You start nailing a bunch of um, unfortunate infants in Brazil who I believe were ground zero for this, and now you've got your pictures that you can send around the world, and who's not going to want to get a vaccine and not have that happen to their child, right? This is almost better than them coming up with polio all over again, right? Zika is kind of like the new polio to me, right? get everybody worried that your kid's going to be next and I think it will be readily accepted to take those dangerous vaccines because if you remember from yesterday what they're doing is a four shot of course four means death to these people right four they want that's why they called it D-Day during World War II D is death um, so they want to do a four shot protocol for infants as in newborn babies to make sure this doesn't happen to their baby. See how this could be pretty easily marketed if you ask me. Okay, and Zika is an emerging mosquito transmitted viral infection which is closely related to dengue. Since its spread is relatively recent, scientists don't know as much about it as malaria. What we do know is this, unlike malaria, the Zika virus is generally not lethal. See, what they're pitching this on, um, it's not, it, it may not kill you if you take the vaccine, okay? <laughs> Sound familiar? The whole thing about COVID was their first initial pitch was take the vaccine, you won't kill grandma, take the vaccine, you won't end up in the hospital. Well, I don't need to repeat all this, but anyway, so. However, of greater concern 
the disease can be transmitted by a pregnant mother to her unborn child. What a way to wipe out the next generation of children, right? Possibly causing microphalli, which is smaller than normal head size in newborns. There are also reports that it may also be spread through sexual activity. They always throw out this dragnet of all these things, right? So they're saying, well, there's reports that it can be this. Well, reports from who, right? <laughs> who said this? Who are you going to call? Critical differences in the way that we fight these two diseases derives from the fact that they are spread by two different types of mosquitoes, malaria by the one and Zika Zika, interestingly enough, is the one I was talking about yesterday, the 80s one, okay, the one that has the word Egypt in it, right? So, uh, and this is very, very interesting about this particular mosquito, okay? <laughs> I never thought I wanted to be an expert on mosquitoes, but here we go. Okay, so this mosquito, this new one with the Egypt in the name, okay. What it is is this, which is pretty clever, okay? It probably happened by mistake, but it's, it's, it's an interesting twist to this plot, okay? Because the mosquitoes that get you, um, let me see, make sure I, I gotta make sure I get all this straight. Um, mosquitoes that give you malaria will bite you at night, okay? So, because that way then malaria can be effectively prevented with the use of bed nets, but that wouldn't be pretty good, right? So here's what it is. The, this mosquito, the 80s, feed during the day, which makes prevention more difficult. To avoid getting bitten by an 80s mosquito carrying Zeta, medical professionals advise using insect repellent and protective clothing. Efforts to reduce the population of both types of mosquitoes are key to controlling both diseases, but also differ slightly in their approach. Some countries have now issued travel alerts advising pregnant women or who may become pregnant to avoid countries with Zika outbreaks. The danger that Zika presents to pregnant women and their unborn children makes prevention of this disease critical. And right now, there is no vaccine, or, well, they, they just did, this was an old article, um, because um, I think the U.S., this was from, this whole Zika thing <laughs> really goes back to around two, 2015, okay? And I'll be playing this clip with Fauci talking about Zika in just a minute here. Okay, so they're issuing warnings, and I'm sorry, I don't know what what date this article was from. I was kind of zipping around this morning because my plan for today, last night was very quiet, by the way. <laughs> Not a single fireworks went off near my house. I think people got the message um, that the lunatic at this house may scream out the window if you dare to fight any fight fire off any fireworks near me. Hey, I put up with it for 10 years. We're not in the mood to start missing sleep right now. I still have work to do before I get off the game board. <laughs> I've got to protect our sleep. Okay, so um, let me see here. So alerts for pregnant women. Okay, so just today, and I, like I said, I don't know. 
the president announced, and I think this is like just today, like now, okay? The president announced that he will be asking Congress for over $1.8 billion in order to fight the spread of Zika. Currently, Zika outbreaks are concentrated in the Americas, while, Amer while malaria is most prevalent in sub-Sahara Africa. So we have a whole new thing going on, right? We have Zika in the Americas, which also has a population that they probably want to focus this eugenics program on, right? And then they have malaria for the lucky people in sub-Sahara Africa. Both of these diseases have caused cases in travelers to affected areas. So if you're planning to go there, call the CDC. I think you might want to cancel your trips right now, okay? <laughs> First of all, we're in the final chapter of the game board. I'm not trying to get paranoid here, but <laughs> I would sure hate to get stuck in some other country <laughs> when these lunatics pull off their final event here. So, so then I found an article that said, where did Zika virus come from and why is it a problem in Brazil? And we'll get to that in a moment. Okay, so then what's what I have here? Um, okay, so here we get back to the scene of the crime. Around 2015 are the dates you're looking for, okay? From October 2015 to January 2016, there were almost 4,000 cases of babies born with microphalli in Brazil. That's spelled M-I-C-R-O-C-E-P-H-A-L-Y. Before then, there were just 150 cases. So they went from 150 cases per year to 4,000 cases, okay? The suspected culprit is a mosquito-borne virus called Zika. Officials in Colombia, Ecuador, El Salvador, and Jamaica have suggested that women delay becoming pregnant, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have advised pregnant women to postpone travel to countries where Zika is active. Okay, now this was the one yesterday I talked about that, but Zika was first discovered almost 70 years ago. Now, isn't that convenient? But wasn't associated with outbreaks until 2007. Well, isn't that convenient, too? I could say I discovered a lot of stuff 70 years ago, right? If you couldn't, if you couldn't check me out. <laughs> so, according to the legend, this is the thing. Don't start assuming any of this stuff is real, right? Just because they said they've identified thousands of different breeds of mosquitoes, well, maybe they have, maybe they haven't, right? <laughs> Just because somebody says something, in this case, we need to always look very carefully. But So they're saying that Zenith virus was discovered almost 70 years ago, but wasn't associated with outbreaks until 2007. So how did this formerly obscure virus wind up causing so much trouble in Brazil and other nations in South America? Enter Anthony Fauci. That's exactly what I added the Anthony Fauci part to the article. <laughs> Anthony Fauci entered the picture here. This is exactly how this plot laid out. And here's where the story comes from, okay? Where did Zika come from? 
Zika virus was first detected in Zika forest in Uganda in 1947 in a rice, R-H-E-S-U-S, monkey. And again in 1948 in the mosquito, Acetus africanus, which is the forest relative of Aedes aegypti. Aedes aegypti and Aedes albocus can both spread Zika. Sexual transmission between people has also been reported. So we're looking here again, Aedes, the first words of this thing seem to be Aedes, A-E-D-E-S. And this mosquito is called Aedes africanus. The one we're looking for that everybody keeps talking about is Aedes aegypti. A-E-G-Y-P-T-I, which suspiciously has Egyptian in the name, right? <laughs> so if you just remember me making fun of Egypt, you'll find the right mosquito again. You're looking for the Aedes aegypti. Zika has a lot in common with dengue and that Chimaka one another emerging virus. So we're also looking for the chicken one is going to be a, is another emerging viruses. All three originated from west of Central Africa and Southeast Asia, but have recently expanded their range to include much of the tropic and subtropics globally. And they are all spread by the same species of mosquito. Well, let me take a look here. Hmm. They're all coming from Africa, right? Huh, what happened, and didn't I just say like the 40s? Well, what happened right after World War II? Huh, let me think here for a minute. Hmm, maybe that base in Germany, what was the name of it? It had the name of a ram in it. Maybe that base, remember everybody thought experiments were done after Germany. Whew. No more experiments in concentration camps. My theory, only backed up by me, <laughs> is this. It's always a trick, right? So when everybody thought that experiments on humans were done, well, they expanded the base in Germany, suspiciously named Ramstein, R-A-M-S-T-E-I-N. That expanded into Africa. When did that expand? Well, right around the World War II time. When did all these mosquitoes start showing up? Well, it seems to me around the same kind of time frame, right? And this whole event with these, now I could be just absolutely the craziest person you've talked to today, okay? Always that possibility, right? It appears to me that suspiciously, if you were gonna be testing some mosquitoes on the population to see what the effects are, hey, why not do it close to home, right? <laughs> And if you've set up close to home in Africa, and the U.S. now has bases, U.S. military bases, from literally one end of Africa to the next. And keep in mind, kids, this is all about running secret operations. So you can't get much more secret than setting your military bases up in Africa. Just saying, because you've got a desperately poor population. You have them sign disclosures saying they're going to be murdered or set up in prison for a million years if they breathe a word of it. Look how they manipulated people here, getting them all involved in the Cold War and everybody doing all this nuclear dangerous stuff. They were all innocent people being told that this is all safe, this is all okay. We're just doing the same, th they're just doing the same thing here. 
So why not start the virus in your own backyard? And who's in that backyard in Africa? Well, the U.S. military. <laughs> so Now, keep in mind, I'm just guessing. The possibility could be there. I could be completely accurate or I could be completely insane. Your choice, okay? So Zika has a lot in common with dengue and the chicky one, another emergent virus. All three originated from West and Central Africa and Southeast Asia, but have recently expanded their range to the subtropics. So yeah, it's, you got you to gotta start somewhere, right? Until 2007, very few cases of Zika in humans were reported. Well, of course, because they were done doing some of those studies in Africa, right? Then an outbreak occurred on Yap, Y-A-P, island of Micronesia, infecting approximately 75% of the population. Six years later, the virus appeared in French Polynesia along with outbreaks of dengue and the chicky virus. How does Zika get to the Americas? Well, I will tell you what they said. I've already told you what I think. <laughs> Genetic analysis of the virus revealed that the strain in Brazil was most similar to one that had been circulating in the Pacific. Brazil had been on alert for an introduction of a new virus following the 2014 FIFA World Cup because the event concentrated people from all over the world. However, no Pacific Island nation with Zika transmission has competed at this event, making it less likely to be the source. There is another theory that Zika virus may have been introduced following an international canoe event held in Rio de Janeiro in August of 2014, which hosted competitors from various Pacific Islands. Another possible route of introduction was overland from Chile, since that country had detected a case of Zika disease in a returning traveler from Easter Island. Most people with Zika don't know they have it. According to research after the Yap Island outbreak, the vast majority of people, 80% infected with Zika virus, will never know it. They do not develop any symptoms at all. A minority who do become ill tend to have fever, rash, joint pains, red eyes, headache, and muscle pain lasting up to a week, and no deaths have been reported. However, in the aftermath of the Polynesian outbreak, it became evident that Zika was associated with Jillian-Barr syndrome, a life-threatening neurological paralyzing condition. And this is where I had an aha moment because something is here. I don't know what yet, okay? But where did I run across this Jillian Barr syndrome? Well, these transgender people are all coming up with Jillian Barr syndrome. And so where is that connection? Don't really know yet. I think what's happened, they know specifically that it may not give you the flu or whatever this thing cooks up for months and years, maybe kill you, but specifically it impacts the womb of a pregnant mother 
and hits the brain of that embryo. See, I, I think it's really as simple as that because this Julian Barr syndrome, G-U-I-L-L-A-I-N dash B-A-R-R-E syndrome, I'm finding in a lot of people who are in this transgender deal, it seems to be something that's happened there. It's a life-threatening neurological paralyzing condition, okay? In 2015, Brazilian public health officials sounded the alert that Zika virus had been detected in patients with fevers in northeast Brazil. Then there was a similar uptick in the number of cases of Julian Barr in Brazil and El Salvador. In the late 2015 in Brazil, cases of microphalli started to emerge. At present, the link between Zika virus infections and microphalli isn't confirmed, but the virus has been found in antibiotic, A-M-N-I-O-T-I-C fluid and brain tissue of a handful of cases. How Zika might affect the brain is unclear, but a study from 1970 revealed that the virus could replicate in neurons of young mice, causing a neuron destruction. Recent genetic analysis suggests that strains of Zika virus may be undergoing mutations, possibly accounting for changes in virulence and its ability to infect mosquitoes or hosts. So, okay, so we're talking about gene stuff, right? So this is going to be disrupting genes, okay? Okay, with any disease outbreak, multiple factors are at play, and each may be necessary but not sufficient on its own to cause it. Applying this model to our mosquito-borne mystery makes it easier to see how many different factors or layers coincide to create the current Zika outbreak. Well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that in a minute because the one of the layers is Anthony Fauci. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. This is a hole through the layers. The first layer is a fertile environment for mosquitoes. So, yeah, and they're talking about they, the Amazon rain. This isn't important for right now. Okay, so let's let me scroll down here a second. Okay, since Zika is new to the Americas. Can you hear that firecracker going across the street in my house? <laughs> you people love the fireworks around here. Okay, so, since Zika is new to the Americas, there is a large population of susceptible hosts who haven't been pre previously exposed. In a large country, Brazil, for instance, the virus can continue circulating without running out of susceptible hosts for a long time. So yes, they certainly picked a country because if you look, you know, the anyway, with fourth layer is the introduction of the virus. It can be very difficult to pinpoint exactly when a virus is introduced by a particular setting. However, studies have associated increasing air travel with the spread of certain viruses, such as dengue. Well, I'd have to say this, okay, they, they're saying right here that increasing air travel spreads this stuff. Well, probably what that means is increasing air travel of psychopaths from first world countries traveling to Brazil to spread around diseases, right? 
I don't think people from Brazil traveling here have Zika bugs on them. I think people from here are traveling to Brazil carrying the Zika bug. Just a wild guess. Okay, so they're, they're just very confused about all this stuff. So it's time to get on to this um, thing here. What I'm going to do is play this. I just listened to this entire thing, and the name Fauci certainly caught my attention, right? So let's start over here. This is this documentary, it's called. And people in the comments are like, well, doesn't surprise me now that Fauci's in the picture. Okay, this is called Secrets of the Zika Virus Exposed. World War Zika. And it's from March of 2020. And we're right now in June of 2023. So we're going to be listening to this. And what I'm going to try to do, and I'll see how it works, okay? What I'm going to try to do is... Um, some of the people, um, they're, they're subtitled because of languages, okay? So what I'm going to be doing is trying to uh, mute it when I need to read the screen. See what I'm going here? And then let the other people talk because you want to hear it directly from Fauci's mouth, <laughs> these people's mouths, right? So I'll try to do as little interpretation as humanly possible. So we also secure this document so we all know what's going on. So let's see here. Okay. Let me start over here. So you pull out the tube and there's this really little brain inside this tube. What happened was a complete surprise. In a worldwide battle against Zika, the more we learned, the more it was, oh my goodness, not yet again another surprise. You recognize that voice? That was Fauci. And I'll try to just only interject when I have to read something. Okay, so... <laughs> that was Fauci, okay? So here we go. And this is. Um... World War Zika. A film by Malcolm Clark. Written by Malcolm Clark. In early 2015, Dr. Patricia Brazil's clinic in Rio de Janeiro begins to fill with women who have mysterious symptoms. They didn't have the appearance of being seriously ill. They mainly had a very itchy rash all over the body. The women in her clinic come from Rio's shanty towns, the favelas. Women like Ilana Cabral, who's 19 at the time. Ilana has a mild rash, which she hardly notices. It's gone in a few days. We were all on trying to work this out, what, was it, what this illness was. As thousands of new cases are reported across Brazil, doctors are baffled. Until they test blood for a virus, that has never been seen in South America before, and find Zika. I looked up this sentence and said, that's exactly what my patients have. I realized they really must have Zika. It's not only doctors in Brazil that are beginning to notice Zika.
I first heard about Zika, uh, as it were, in a new outbreak in Brazil, I was very interested in it, and I wanted to learn more about what was Zika before it got to Brazil. Anthony Fauci is one of America's leading medical researchers. Even he has to go back to old medical papers to find out more about Zika. Zika was first recognized in 1947. There weren't any human cases recognized until a few years later in 1952, and then it kind of went under the radar screen in Africa and Asia. Zika was first found here in the lowlands of Uganda in a forest called Zika. For 60 years, there were only 14 cases reported worldwide. None were seriously ill. Then, in 2007, an outbreak appears in the Pacific on the island of Yap. And in 2013, in French Polynesia. We were getting reports from French Polynesia where it was before it got into Brazil. And it was felt that the, you know, 80% of the people who were infected had very few, if any, symptoms. So anything that was said about Zika ahead of time indicated that it was, if anything, somewhat of an inconsequential infection. But when experts in France study the epidemic in French Polynesia, they notice something that suggests Zika might not be entirely inconsequential. Lors de cette epidemic, ce qui était nouveau et qui n'avait pas été vu en We now saw something we'd never seen before. Some patients were paralyzed so severely they couldn't breathe. Around 40 or 50 even had to be hospitalized. They were suffering from a syndrome we call Gillian Barr. Gwilin Barre is a rare condition that's poorly understood, in which a person's own immune system attacks their nerves. Doctors are surprised that the Zika virus seems to trigger the condition. But since less than one in a thousand adults with Zika are affected, it remains, for now, just a curiosity. We weren't very worried because we were only talking about a dozen cases. We investigated further, but we weren't alarmist. The cases of Guilang Barre in French Polynesia are a clue that Zika might do unexpected things. No one yet knows how bad those things might be. In the autumn of 2015, hundreds of babies are born in Brazil with microcephaly. It's a condition that starts in the womb, when a critical moment of brain development in early pregnancy is disrupted. Between the 6th and 10th week of pregnancy, the cells that will create the brain start to multiply. If an infection occurs in this trimester, there's a high risk that the brain won't develop normally. When a baby's head is of the normal size, it's because the brain develops and pushes up the skull and you have the normal contour of the skull. 
If there's anything that interferes with or destroys that process, the brain doesn't develop right and the skull becomes smaller. The cases of microcephaly are highest where Zika rates are greatest. But no one knows if the virus is causing the condition. In Rio, panic spreads among pregnant women, including those being studied by Patricia Brazil. We got really worried about it. My patients came to the clinic full of fear. They were all haunted by the specter of microphaly. They asked me, is my baby going to be normal? Patricia decides to have the mother scanned. The news isn't good. 29% of the babies had defect. I was very shocked. Elena's baby, Davi, was born with severe microcephaly. And then they took him away. Davi's not expected ever to develop like a normal baby. She blamed herself thinking she could have prevented it. But a mother's love is inexplicable. The maternal feeling overwhelms your whole being. As tragedies like this play out across Brazil, there is a puzzle at the heart of the epidemic. Zika virus disappears quickly from the bloodstream, and it doesn't always show up in tests. So no one can be certain Zika is really causing microcephaly. But as cases soar, experts become alarmed. The discovery of neurological complications in children took us by surprise, and we really began to worry. I remember very clearly, I called an emergency meeting, and I sat down and I said, okay, folks, all hands on deck. We don't have a lot of time. Women are getting infected. They're getting pregnant. Their babies are being endangered. So we, we need to do this really quickly. At the beginning of 2016, scientists set out to battle against Zika. They come from many different countries and from many different fields. They want to solve three key mysteries. Is Zika really responsible for microcephaly? What has turned a harmless virus into a killer? And can it be stopped? One thing that is known for sure about Zika, how the virus is passed from one person to another.
When you put a mosquito under the microscope, you realize you have an entire world of genetics. We've been probing even more deeply how the mosquito functions. To understand its remarkable role in the transmission, in a secure laboratory in Montpellier, Frédéric Simard raises the mosquito which carries Zika. Always suspicious, right? This is Edis aegypti, and it has an insatiable appetite for human blood. La trompe du moustique est quelque chose de très mobile. Le moustique va trouver. The mosquito can find the smallest capillary where the blood travels with this fine needle. The females need blood above all for the development of their eggs. It's maternal instinct, not hunger, that makes the female bite. When the female feeds, she injects a chemical in her saliva to keep the blood flowing. If the person is infected with Zika, she picks up the virus. It multiplies in the safety of her stomach. And later, when she feeds again, she injects the virus in her saliva, infecting her next victim. They're just in a lab. Frederick admires many things about mosquitoes, but he spends most of his time trying to find ways to kill them. We'll expose the mosquito to this insecticide. The insecticide on the nets is a neurotoxin. It attacks the neurons of the mosquito. It paralyzes and quickly kills the mosquito. I guess they're putting something on nets. When insecticides were first invented, they were seen as a magic bullet that would wipe out Edis forever. They were to have a check. In 1948, the World Health Organization even declared war on mosquitoes. And the first successful insecticide, called DDT, was at the heart of its campaign. All across the planet, Edis aegypti was hunted down and sprayed. In order to succeed, every drop of water must be drained or cleared. I'm going to turn this off for a second. Um, I'm kind of in a position that I need to move. And I realize that when I even move slightly like this cord or something, it really <laughs> makes a loud noise. I can't hear it, but you can certainly hear it on the microphone. So let me pause this for a second and get things shifted around. Because what I'm trying to do is put the microphone closer to my speakers here, get rid of outside noise. But anyway, so let me pause here. Okay. I think I have the chords organized because you can't. I can't hear it, but every time I touch a chord, I recorded one show. I think it was the one about why does Santa wear the same hat as the Pope? Because Santa and the Pope wear the same hat because of their Saturn thing. And during that show, gee, I kept touching the the chord. <laughs> so anyway, away it goes, right? So we're going to continue on secrets of the Zika virus exposed. In huge areas, including Brazil, Edis was eradicated completely. And then, disaster. DDT turned out to be dangerous to human health and was banned. And then, the mosquito 
Each time a new insecticide was introduced, the mosquito developed resistance to it. It's been an arms race ever since. <laughs> Resistance can spread quickly through an entire mosquito population. In just a month, one female that's become immune to an insecticide can have up to a million designs. By the 1980s, the mosquito was on the march again, recovering all its old empire, and now invading new territory too. Hero Beach, Florida. Dwayne Gutier has been fighting fever all his working life. The thing is, he just uh, had a mind of his own and, and could think and reason like we do. I would hope that I would be uh, their number one enemy. Get rid of that jet. Is it's tires? Who would have guessed? Every year, millions are loaded onto container ships and then transported across the globe. And the mosquito travels with them. The tires are shipped uh, around the world and it takes the eggs with them. The egg patch we have aided the gypsy introduced into the new era. 
open space for shipping lanes of global trade are among mankind's greatest achievements. But either has turned them into a multi-billion ecosystem.
cells from inside the stomach of the mosquito and add those cells to a rich medium where the mosquito cells multiply. Then they add their Zika virus to those cells. They're hoping the Zika will reproduce just as it would inside a real mosquito's body. to pretty much every six hours or so for an entire weekend watch these plates of cells that we put the Zika virus on. And then finally we thought there was something. So we took the cells, we put them on the slide, and we tried to detect virus, and we found it. The team has now created millions of Zika viruses and begins to study them intensively. The biggest mystery of all about Zika is what has happened inside the brains of babies, like little David. Has the virus done something terrible to his brain cells? Tang wants to know, but he's a virologist, not a brain expert. It became clear that I needed to get a hold of some brain cells. Baltimore, Maryland. Tang doesn't need just any old brain cells. He needs some that are just like those inside a fetus's brain. Unbeknownst to him, somebody already has them. The scientists were always curious and drawn to mystery. So when I first saw the images actually in the news about this baby Neurologist Professor Guo Li Ming works together with her husband, Professor Song. When they hear about Zika, it just so happens they're coming to the end of an extraordinary project. To create their own fetus brain in the lab. They do it using a pioneering technology called stem cells. The beauty of the stem cells is that you can make them to become a heart cell, a liver cell, a pancreatic cell, and a brain cell, of course. What the couple do may seem like a piece of scientific magic. You know, here again, I want to reiterate, just because they say they're doing this stuff, they also have a great majority of people thinking that they're already producing transhumans. And keep in mind, the transgender people at the top who've been taking these hormones are all falling to pieces, okay? They all have those tiny hands and tiny feet. So just because they're saying they've taken apart these brains of tiny mosquitoes, okay, take it with a grain of salt. They take ordinary human skin cells. Then they reprogram those genetically to behave just like the brain cells of a fetus. 
These cells are then grown in a fluid which contains exactly the same nutrients the mother would provide in the womb. This makes the stem cells grow into a thin layer of fetus brain cells. But they're not satisfied. A real brain isn't a thin layer of cells. They need to find a way to allow the cells to grow much bigger and in all directions. For a long time, they can't work out how to do that. And then they come up with an idea. You go them uh, in a suspension so you can spin them and try to enhance the oxygen nutrient absorption. To grow the cells in suspension, they invent a little machine of their own which can spin cells round constantly. Everybody is really excited about it. of stem cells and this time they place them in their little spinning machines <laughs> the invisibly small brain cells are left for weeks spinning and growing until they aren't invisible anymore the brain cells have developed into tiny globes. And inside the globes, they discover something remarkable. The cells don't just multiply. They form many of the complex connections that a fetus brain has early in pregnancy. If you look through the microscope, you actually can see many, many different layers. You see the layers of the neural stem cells. You see layers of different couple of neurons. And just like in the normal human developing brain, and they form these intricate structures. They can actually function like a real nerve cell, and they can fire uh, electrical signals just as they do normally in the brain. Lee and Song have created their very own fetus brains in the lab, and hundreds of them. It's ideal for doing Zika experiments. But they're missing one key ingredient. We started looking for where can we find the virus. And most of the answer is you have to wait. You have to wait for several months when the virus can be available. So much research is suddenly being done on Zika that there is now a long waiting list for samples of the virus. The neurologists don't know that Tang's team have millions of their own Zika viruses. What forces them together is a crisis. In March 2016, a group of environmentalists claim the public is being lied to about microcephaly. Zika is not responsible, they say. Insecticide being added to drinking water. Experts
experts dismissed the idea. In science, you don't want to be so presumptuous to think you know what the answer is right from the get-go. But on the other hand, you got to be careful of getting distracted by fantasy theories. As always happens in these kinds of uh, uh, cases, uh, a lot of uh, alternative theories uh, crop up. The Picabla urgent question to whether the Zika virus directly caused macrocyclic or not, because answer to that question will have a direct impact on the public policy. Spurred by the crisis, Eng Lee Tang begins desperately to reach out for brain experts to collaborate with. Suddenly, Feng Jun received an email from Han Lee and asking him who is the best expert working on neurodevelopment. I told him immediately, and the first question I asked was, do you have a virus in your head? The decision was made on the spot, over the phone, to go ahead. Within days, the two teams are collaborating. We opened the box and we took out the flask and it's just this flask with these little brain cells. They were so large that you could actually see the brains in the tube. Now, together, they can finally try to solve the mystery of whether Zika is causing microcephaly. They add Zika virus to half the samples. The others will develop as normal. What difference will the virus make? They have their tiny little thing to spin it around on. Because <laughs> they have to incubate them with the Zika virus and then wait for them to develop. And that takes a little bit of time. What does Zika virus do to these? And it was pretty dramatic. When they take the containers out, it's clear Zika has had a significant effect. It's amazing. It's amazing result. The ones that had Zika virus on them were so much smaller. Only after one week, they sent a picture taken from a cell phone. It's like, wow, now this is really telling us something. And the Zika virus indeed linked to microcephaly. The mini brains were just much, much more smaller if you compare to a normal one. The Zika-infected brains aren't just smaller. Inside, they can see properly for the first time the trail of damage the virus leaves. Once Zika virus gets inside a fetus brain, it's able to attach itself to the crucial developing brain cells. Surface proteins then allow it to gain entry into individual cells, where Zika turns the cells into virus factories. As those cells explode and die, the brain fails to grow, causing microcephaly. We immediately see that the layers, the neurons, is much thinner. And that's just like in the baby with microcephaly. And the pictures were shown of how profound destruction of cells could occur it, it's chilling because you get i do have to interject here i'm going to try not to talk over them but here's how i think it laid out okay they cooked up this plan and fauci would have been the one who had the funding right always follow the money and he just happened to find these chinese <laughs> scientists 
to do this Zika thing, right? Which, in effect, I'll stop in a minute because it's slow. So Fauci holds the money, right? That's what everybody's screaming about now. They're saying, oh, Wuhan, Wuhan. Well, yeah, they probably did some of the work in Wuhan, but the funding came from the United States. That's how they control scientists. They dish out the funding. So probably what happened in this story is that Fauci had some money. He needed a backstory to how he's getting this stuff, right? Because really, we're talking about, they have these little tiny little things. We're talking about examining a brain cell with inside of a mosquito. <laughs> so, so likely, Fauci had the money. He gets these Chinese scientists, and they do this. It appears to me to be a rather suspicious and flimsy study, but, you know, you're going to have to decide for yourself. Seems suspect with Fauci in the picture. So let's keep going. So, um, <laughs> because you hear just a lot of vague things. So go ahead. I'll go ahead and keep playing. Feeling of the destructive power of this particular virus. The work of stem cells is a turning point. Now scientists know that Zika can cause microcephaly for sure. And as the epidemic spreads far outside Brazil, comes even worse news. Sexual transmission of the Zika virus is a proven case. A woman in the capital caught Zika by sexual contact. If you have a man who's infected, who gets Zika, and we know now it's sexually transmitted, the woman could never ever go near a mosquito and still get infected. And that just adds another profound risk to the equation. No mosquito-borne virus until Zika has ever been able to be passed on to sexual partners. This helps spark a worldwide race to come up with the one sure solution to Zika, a vaccine. Over 20 different groups are at work. But the heart of all their projects remains a surprisingly simple-sounding concept. One that was pioneered at the Pasteur Institute, where the method of creating vaccines was first understood scientifically over a century ago. The idea of vaccines is to prevent present to the immune system components of a virus that will cause it to respond. Vaccines aim to create the same response that happens naturally. In most people's immune systems, the presence of the Zika virus triggers a reaction, producing defensive cells or antibodies which attack and kill the virus. Scientists are in a race now to work out exactly what proteins on the surface of the virus trigger this defensive response. If they can create a harmless version of those triggers, they may be able to immunize everyone against the disease. They've made rapid progress. Right now, there are phase one trials to see, there is a phase two trial to see if we can trigger the immune. 
Well, this show is from Despite three years ago. That's, that's already been covered. Super presents huge challenges. For one thing, there will have to be much larger trials on thousands of people. Sure, why not? And they'll have to include a key group. We know the major neurological complications affect mostly children and mothers infected during pregnancy. That means the main target of the vaccine. Wait a minute here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Holy moly! Let me go back here. This plot line is getting pretty darn crazy here. So let me see here. To create a harmless version of these triggers, they may be able to immunize everyone against the disease. They've made rapid progress. Okay, so he's phase one to see if the vaccine is tolerated. Phase two to see if we can trigger the immune. Despite the progress, the vaccine for Zika presents huge challenges. For one thing, there will have to be much larger trials on thousands of people. And. They'll have to include a key group. On a bien vu que la principale complication. We know the major neurological complication. This is I'm getting to the punchline here. We know the major neurological complications of Zika. Affect mostly children of mothers infected during pregnancy. Facteurs neurologiques chez les enfants et les mères infectés pendant la grossesse. Ce dont les femmes That means the main target of a vaccine will be women before they're old enough to have children. Jesus, God, okay. I'll read it again. That means the main target of a vaccine will be women before they're old enough to have children. Trials of a vaccine on young girls will take years to produce useful results. And whether a Zika vaccine is ever worth mass-producing depends on what happens next in the epidemic. By the middle of 2017, the virus has jumped across the Atlantic to Cape Verde, near the heavily populated coast of Africa, its ancient homeland. Will Zika now cause an epidemic in Africa? a question Sarah Salinas has been trying to solve. She thinks the answer lies in what Zika did in Africa decades ago, and the mystery of why there was no microcephaly there in the past. One of the questions scientists have asked themselves is whether Zika has had evolved, and whether Zika virus originally from Africa had become more toxic. Salinas knows that the Zika virus that caused the epidemic in Brazil is subtly different from the strain first found in Africa. Perhaps one of the tiny changes has given Zika the ability to damage fetal brain cells. The idea was to compare the different toxic. This is important for you guys to hear. The idea was to compare the different toxicity. Essayer de comparer cette toxicité entre la souche 
between the African strain and the strain that was responsible for the epidemic in Brazil. African is the souche that was also responsible for the epidemic in Brazil. She and her colleague Yannick Simona already have the Brazilian virus. But to piece together Zika's evolution, they now need the African virus that was circulating decades ago when no one much cared about or studied Zika. search for months. Then they strike gold. They managed to obtain a sample of virus that was collected in the 1970s in Africa from an infected mosquito. It has been frozen ever since. It made a big difference to have this African strain that has circulated before the continent. They grow early fetal brain cells, similar to those used in Baltimore. Then they add the old African Zika to some of them, and Brazilian Zika to others. They assume, like everyone else, that the brain cells will be unaffected by the African virus. That would explain why there was no microcephaly in Africa. What they discover is startling. The African strain is able to infect brain cells too. We couldn't understand it. We were expecting exactly the opposite result. I'll just throw something in. This was an idea that I had when I watched it previous to now, was that, well, it probably unleashed a certain population of children, which is kind of a head within the African population, right? Maybe nobody took notes of that. That's always a possibility. Because they kept thinking the African one had to be different than the new one. Well, probably the same with some minor tweaks, right? So we decided to do more to try and work out what was going on with this African strain. What I'm trying to do is talk over if it's something really simple and just stop and really absorb what they're saying each time without, it's, I can't do too many tricks at the same time is what I'm saying, so. So they're trying to figure out why is this African strain. They carefully rerun the studies and find that the African strain is every bit as infectious as the Brazilian one. And by some measures, even more deadly to fetal brain cells. This African strain infected many more nerve cells. And it was more toxic. Could be too that they developed as an Africa which was much worse, and maybe it was so much worse that it would trigger too much suspicion, right? So they toned it down a little tiny bit. Toxic. If the work at Montpellier is confirmed, that will suggest that the Zika virus that has been circulating for decades in Africa has always had the ability to damage brain cells. So why didn't microcephaly show up in the past? One reason may be 
that after an epidemic long ago, most Africans built up natural immunity. And the numbers of microcephaly cases from Zika dwindled. The confusing thing about microcephaly is that microcephaly is caused by a number of things. So the reason you may not have seen it before with Zika is that the level of Zika was what we call endemic and not in its outbreak form. And there may have been cases that were related to Zika to microcephaly, but you couldn't distinguish them from microcephaly caused by other causes. If the new Brazilian strain of Zika spreads to Africa, no one yet knows what will happen. Perhaps some people who have immunity to the old strain will be protected against the new one. But that's by no means certain. The stakes are huge, for the mosquito that carries Zika is endemic across the continent. And that's why a radical solution is being considered. In the Brazilian city of Piricicaba, they're pioneering a controversial new phase of the war against Aegis aegypti. One day, it may be used worldwide. So we plot the points in here, and every time you go closer to the point, it beeps, telling us the right time to release. Guillaume isn't spraying mosquitoes. He's releasing them. Lots of them. So we release in these neighborhoods three times a week. Every release that we do, we release something around 250. Who's going around Brazil releasing mosquitoes? I'm sure there's no connection between mosquitoes they're releasing. They're, they're saying these mosquitoes they're releasing are sterilizing the other mosquitoes. But couldn't it also be mosquitoes that are also infecting people? I mean, you have to kind of look at everything, right? When these people say, oh, our cure is we're going to send out mosquitoes to sterilize other mosquitoes, you have to kind of wonder, are the mosquitoes they're sending out the ones that are continuing to make people sick? 50,000 mosquitoes. These mosquitoes aren't ordinary heaters. They're genetically modified. that begins here in the world's biggest mosquito factory every week they produce a hundred million I will interject one thing also in the past I've talked about germ things like this because breeding breed, excuse me my pronunciation breeding things like insects, mosquitoes, right? How do you think they come up with all these crop damages in other countries? Well, all you really have to do because this larva really goes quick, right? So if you're trying to target an area, well, I mean, you send a bunch of poor people a bunch of food or something and you have the larva in it, right? Problem solved, spread it all around. This is very low cost, kind of distribution because I'm having a very hard time 
thinking that these people know that there's really thousands of these <laughs> mosquitoes and they really know what's going on inside the brains of these mosquitoes. So, yeah, to me, it looks like this also, because evil has to come packaged with help, right? So this could also be a reason why they're saying, they're saying it's to help these people by spreading out these sterile mosquitoes. Now, I don't want to get overly suspicious, but these are the people saying what kind of mosquitoes these are, right? How do you know that these aren't all mosquitoes infected with what they say <laughs> they're trying to fight? Have to out and you have to look at it all. They're, they're dumping out a hundred million of these 80s Egypti mosquitoes at a whack, okay? Look at a mosquito, okay? And you tell me, how are they figuring some of this stuff out? Some of this is blind luck, okay? They find a disease they're able to perpetuate with a mosquito, okay? And the best part of the trick is everybody is thinking these people are making transhumans, and yet they're over there cooking up horrible diseases with mosquitoes. Carla Tepedino is the manager, and she's no fan of the mosquitoes. This is the mosquito, I'm sorry when I interrupted, this is the mosquito factory we're at where they're manufacturing all these mosquitoes, okay? Everywhere the mosquito exists is a problem. It wouldn't be a bad idea if we could eradicate this insect completely. The genetic engineering that this factory is based upon took scientists three decades to develop. Yeah, see, that was 30 years ago. See, this is all just, I believe this is just the moving out of Africa is what I believe. And now they're going to zip it back toward Africa again. The elaborate process begins when they insert a specific gene inside an individual mosquito egg. It's a gene they developed that makes the larvae self-destruct. And it's in every single egg laid by the millions of adults here. Here are the dried eggs. The factory produces over a thousand grams of these eggs a week. I mean, really, nothing suspicious about a complete mosquito factory, is there? So how do the mosquitoes in the factory reach adulthood if they have a destructive gene that destroys them when they're young? The answer, all the water that the larvae grow in is infused with a special antidote that stops the gene being triggered. As long as the mosquitoes are here, they grow as normal. After a few days, the larvae have to be separated out by gender. The male larvae are small, the females are much bigger. So the males go through the tiny holes in the filters, but the females get stuck. They're straining, they're right now straining mosquitoes, okay? <laughs> the females are kept for breeding, and they There's a 24-hour production line to supply blood for the females. They go through 20 liters every day. The males have a different destiny. 
liberamos esse macho da natureza e tudo que ele faz é encontrar as fêmeas e reproduzir com elas. Quando os males são liberados, eles procuram as Quando o genetically modified male mates with a female, he passes his destructive gene onto their offspring. A few days after the larvae emerge, the gene begins to work. With no antidote in the water, the gene now makes the larvae's internal chemistry malfunction, and they die. Without offspring, mosquito numbers plummet. Il faudra, c'est très vigilant, parce que ces méthodes de Right. 
be mine based on someone. And there are more than 10,000 mother, mothers with affected babies. 13 mil mães com bebês afetados. Zika took the world by surprise. A seemingly harmless virus turned out to have a dark side, and it revealed its full menace only after decades. The struggle against it continues, for there's no certainty that a vaccine against Zika will succeed. And the battle against the mosquito that transmits it continues to get more complicated. What they do in part of these marketing plans, you'll notice, is that they come up with the situation. I'm sorry, I've got some reports here. They, they come up with the situation, right? Then they say, well, we got the vaccine, but we're not sure if we can give it to everybody. And then they start to build up demand, right? And then people feel bad and say, well, let's send it to those people over there. They need this stuff. So, you know, the last time around this COVID thing, they left Africa off the vaccines, right? And Africa did very well not having the vaccines. What's likely going to happen now, and I'm only guessing, well, perfect solution is then give Africa more Zika so then you can get them another kind of vaccine because probably the odds of convincing Africa to put vaccines into their public probably is a lo losing proposition. But to present something that has something as simple as a mosquito and all they have to do is give young infants four of those shots before they're two years old. There you got your answer, right? So this is about done. I'm about worn out, so let's finish this up. Complicated and expensive. And Zika may just be a harbinger of things to come. There are hundreds of other viruses circulating in the wild that might have even deadlier symptoms than Zika if they were ever to get inside our bodies. And there's a creature that might help them do just that. A new and possibly even deadlier mosquito has recently spread like wildfire, colonizing a much wider area than Aedes aegypti ever did, including most of southern Europe and large areas of the U.S. In Montpellier, Frédéric Simard is studying this violently aggressive species. This is a, I'm sorry, let me get back there. We're, we're, we're calling mosquitoes now wars, so let me get back here a second. That might have even deadlier symptoms than Zika if they were ever to get inside our bodies. And there's a creature might help them do just that. A new and possibly even deadlier mosquito has recently spread like wildfire, colonizing a much wider area than Aedes aegypti ever did, including most of southern Europe and large areas of the U.S. In Montpellier, Frédéric Simard is studying this violently aggressive species. This is a full-blown civil war we are watching in this cage. It's a cage of mosquitoes. It's happening on a very tiny scale, but it has global implications for the entire world. In the cage, 
Edis aegypti is being violently attacked by another species, Edis albopictus, often known as the tiger mosquito. This mosquito is extremely aggressive. It, compete, me, it competes with other mosquitoes with local mosquitoes. That's the tiger mosquito, which is more powerful than the Aedes aegypti mosquito. What you need to do is, what I do is I repeat these words in my head. So next time I'm looking for something, they will flash in front of my head like radar, right? and often replaces them and takes their place. That's the tiger mosquito. The fact that this new species is attacking Aedes aegypti may sound like a good thing, but there's a big problem. For the new mosquito feeds on the blood of both wild animals and humans. Now we got, now we're cooking, right? And experts now fear this species could transmit an unknown virus from jungle animals straight to us, starting an uncontrollable epidemic. There exist today many viruses in very remote areas, in tropical forest regions. And it would take, uh, no, all it would take is for those viruses to travel out of these forests for an epidemic to start. Make it big, make it confusing, make it look like it's going to go everywhere, create a lot of fear over what? A mosquito? And I can't tell you what might happen next. Humanity's long war against the mosquito and the monsters it carries could be about to enter a new and even more deadly phase. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, um, but at least now we have sort of the history. So let me pause here for a second, catch my breath, and see what else I have to say about mosquitoes for today so I can then move on to World War II fake nuclear bombs and the horrific Japanese experiments. Okay, I tracked down the um, agreement that the United States has with, who are you going to call? Let me see, what does it say here? USA signs, okay. <coughs> U.S. government negotiates deal to give who authority, and this is from 2023. I believe it has happened, but believing isn't research. Okay, <coughs> this is from February 2023. The Biden administration is preparing to sign up the United States to a legally binding accord with the World Health Organization that would give the WHO <coughs> the lawful authority to dictate America's policies during a pandemic. Despite widespread criticism of the WHO's response to the COVID pandemic, U.S. Health and Human Services, HHS, Secretary Javier Becerra joined with WHO Director J. 
General Tedros <clears throat> in September 2022 to announce the U.S. coup strategic dialogue. Together, they developed a platform to maximize the long-standing U.S. government coup partnership, which, by the way, is funded by Bill Gates, and to protect and promote the health of all people around the globe, including the American people. These discussions and others have spawned the zero draft of a pandemic treaty published on February the 1st, which now seeks ratification by all 194 WHO member states. A meeting of the WHO's intergovernmental negotiation body is scheduled for February 27th. So I don't know. It looks to me like, well, <laughs> the United States and Bill Gates fund WHO. So is this some kind of a mystery here? <laughs> what might happen? So here's what I think is going on. I think the Zika virus is very interesting. I think it would be much easier to manage. You know, they, they threw out that monkey pox, but that didn't seem to go anywhere, right? So I think the Zika thing is actually, from a eugenic standpoint, actually kind of brilliant, right? So, you know, it seems, it seems sufficiently vague. You know, Fauci has that crew there, those Chinese people talking about looking at fetus as brains through stem cells and stuff. So it all can have a certain, oh, I don't know, it, it feels, doesn't it kind of feel like it's um, official, right? That these scientists have done these things, and now it's a foregone conclusion that it's affecting babies' brains. So, yeah, um, I don't know. All I can say is, it has all the elements of being something that they're really going to put their weight behind. And remember, along with this, they could always put DDT into action. So soon, it'll be very hard to tell what caused what. Because if you start massively spraying DDT all over the air, all over people, all over children, all that kind of stuff, it's going to do the same kind of thing as the radiation deal. It's going to spread a lot of confusion. So no one will really quite quite sure where it all came from and I don't know what to tell you it's, it's actually a very interesting plot line here and I am going to get back to this thing with the uh, World War II um, but it gives us a lot to think about I would encourage you to go start looking around because here the marketing plan appears to me to be set right they set off the trial in Brazil, right? So now they've got a bunch of Brazilian traumatized women and a bunch of Brazilian unfortunate babies, which were horribly uh, with the small heads and the, all this thing going on. So unfortunately, what this does now is this creates their photo sessions, right? They've got a base of women they can interview about how horrible this is. They've got all these pictures of children that were horribly in horrible condition. And this is how you sell a disease, right? So they, they've got the base study group. They've got the people who are deformed. They've got the mothers who are upset. And now it's on to marketing 101. And you really can't convince me it's anything but that. So I'm going to close out. I don't know. These, these songs find me. I don't, I don't question myself why they happen, all that. But let's just play this out with Eve of Destruction. So goodbye for now. Be safe out there. And I'll be back 
it's just appearing to me that we're getting closer and closer to the final chapter of the game board. And I'm not really sure. I mean, now they're going after the tiniest and tiniest of the most vulnerable, being those tiny little babies in Brazil that got this all started. And I suspect, and I'm only suspecting, that there's a lot of babies in Africa that have been met with this same fate. So what is the plan? Just watch them destroy the babies? I don't know. Let me just play this song. I'll be quiet. And I need have things I need to do today.
purpose? Well, it turns out the truth is out. They burned up those five cars in East Palestine, Ohio. Remember? They supposedly had that train wreck, which I don't see it as a train wreck because I covered it already. That that train was wrecked on purpose because there was another explosive thing sitting right there that happened to just hit right there, okay? Which happened to just throw water, <laughs> to throw the most poison through the water system. Because right there at Sulphur Point, those trains just happened to have a major accident. Well, then what happened was, unbeknownst to people, those trains were loaded with deadly chemicals and plastics and stuff. There were five cars involved, okay? They made the decision to set those five cars on fire. Those five cars set up a plume, which looked very much like the smoke that they claimed came from World War II from Japan. So when they set those rail cars in Ohio afire, evidence just came out in the last few days that they were all lying. Those cars did not have to get set on fire. These are the people that we are surrounded with. These are the people that are in charge that are willing to blow up a whole bunch of train cars, okay, and ruin that entire group, which just happens to be part of Appalachia, the area they hit time and time again. So that is the deal with the train wreck in East Palestine. If you have the time or the interest, please try to keep understanding more about that story in Ohio. Remember, those people were giving health trackers right before this train happened. Something is going on in East Palestine, Ohio. So, if nothing else, show some solidarity. There's only one channel that's actually following the people of East Palestine. Whether you like these people or not, that's not the issue, okay? This channel is called Status Coup, S-T-A-T-U-S, Coup, C-O-U-P. They have hung in there with the people from East Palestine to the point that when this explosive new admission came out that the trains didn't have to be set on fire, the New York Times contacted the people to get the secret recording, and they refused to give it to the New York Times and stood in solidarity with the people at East Palestine, with the people at Status Coup, who has stuck with these people all along. So if you get the chance, head on over to Status Coup, maybe just drop into the comments, show some solidarity. That's all I'm suggesting, just little, tiny, simple acts. You would be amazed how much a tiny little act, like making a comment, where these people are all going to be reading these comments just to show some solidarity. So be safe out there, and goodbye for now, and I'll see you on the other Well, side. not so fast. I don't even know if mosquitoes carry diseases. Do you? I was thinking last night, because I'm getting a lot of help, because all you have to do is ask, okay? And also, it's important to block your energy from those who don't care about you. <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of hate with this um, Transformers all around my house. Somebody clearly is not fond of me. 
So it's important to block your energy, kids. Block your energy from these things and keep those feet moving forward. So, yeah, I don't think that... I keep thinking about these mosquitoes, right? And um, I'm sure mosquitoes exist. Okay, so let's not try to go there. But mosquitoes buzz people, right? Did they... Are there thousands of mosquitoes? I don't know. How do you know? How does anybody know, right? Everything they say, we must question. So... In the show I did about um, vaccines way back, it will have vaccines in the title. It will have um, chemicals in the title. There's a chemical that they've been discovering around um, farming areas that's giving kids autism, okay? There's a lot to these chemicals. So I started thinking, well, I wonder if um, possibly something else is hitting these kids and it's not the mosquitoes because remember this is a i hope i really hope i'm wrong with zika okay i haven't been wrong yet but i hope i'm wrong okay but i don't think i'm wrong i think zika is going to be the thing because it has a lot of indicators now they're starting to say well this new egypti uh mosquito um comes out during the day you may not know if you got stung or not see they're opening it up to a whole lot of vagueness right so so I started looking around because um, it would be easy to dump a whole bunch of mosquitoes in an area for example because of all the stagnant water pretty simple right just throw those eggs out there and um, then you convince everybody that it's the mosquitoes that are giving you the diseases right so I don't know I, I'm not sure that mosquitoes are giving anybody anything at this point. And I found an interesting piece out of Brazil. Where was it out of? Let me see here. It was a, um, let me read it here. I found a report, and it is a report from physicians in the crop sprayed villages regarding dengue, Zika, microphalli and mass spraying with chemical poisons. <clears throat> Main points. There's about six pages here, so I haven't read through them all. We're going to do that together now. So I thought, well, I don't, I need to get to that World War II thing, but first we need to wrap up this mosquito deal, right? Okay. So why do we believe them that mosquitoes are giving people dang and Zika and all this stuff? Why do we believe this? Because somebody told it to us, right? <laughs> Ding, I'm reading the main points. Ding epidemic in Brazil persists endemically, which means on an ongoing basis, due to the marginalization and misery of billions of people, especially in northeast Brazil. On top of that, Zika virus, a similar disease, although more benign, is now spreading. A dramatic increase of congenital malformations, especially microphalli in newborns, was detected and quickly linked to the Zika virus by the Brazilian Ministry of Health. However, they failed to recognize that the area where most sick persons live, a chemical larvicide producing malformations in mosquitoes has been applied for 18 months. So they're saying there's already a chemical thing providing issues and that this poison and this is the poison they're talking about and I will spell it for you so what they're doing 
they go around and say, okay, there's all these mosquitoes here. Let's bring out the, <laughs> let's bring out the heavy guns. Let's bring out the toxic stuff. So I think mosquitoes are a window for them to bring out the toxic stuff because I believe that DDT was pulled off the market except for emergencies, right? So I believe mosquitoes are going to provide and give them the wholesale ability to spray this garbage all over the place. But it's just what I believe, right? So let's keep going here and I will try to um, keep reading. So they failed to recognize that poison, I want you to write this down, it is, it's probably cheap, it's probably easy to find. It is called Prophagin, P-Y-R-O-P-R-O-X-Y-F-E-N. So it's applied by the state on drinking water used by the affected population. Previous Zika epidemics did not cause birth defects in newborns despite infecting 75% of the population in those countries. Also, in other countries, such as Colombia, there are no records of microcephaly. However, there are plenty of Zika cases. The Proxifen, that's a spray, being used as recommended by, who are you going to call, is manufactured by Sumito, S-U-M-I-M-O-T-O chemical, a Japanese subsidiary of Monsanto. Brazilian doctors are claiming that the strategy of chemical control is contaminating the environment as well as people, that it is not decreasing the amount of mosquitoes, and that this strategy is in fact a commercial maneuver from the chemical poisons industry deeply integrated into Latin American ministries of health as well as who and PAHO, P-A-H-O. Uh, yeah, I'm also very suspicious. These people are my kind of people, keeping those eyes out, right? I was almost lulled into thinking that mosquitoes were doing this, and then if we just would enter some silence into our lives, I kept thinking this is not making sense. So, um, Massive spreading using planes as well as governments of score are considering is criminal, useless, and a political maneuver to stimulate that actions are taken. The basis of the progress of the disease lies in inequality and poverty, and the best defense are community-based actions. What do you mean, like clean water? <laughs> oh, clean water. I'll interject this while I'm thinking about it. Navajo Nation, the biggest landholders in this country, you know, the Navajos, the people that were here first. Um, there was just a recent Supreme Court, Supreme Court case, you know, those Saturnist people wearing those black robes, and they decided, the Navajos, the people who were here, who got everything stolen and live on horrible conditions and Indian reservations, the Navajos, those people, yeah, well, They've been fighting for years for land right water, water on the, on the Navajo property. And the evil psychopaths from the U.S. Supreme Court has decided and ruled that it wasn't specifically written into their treaty for them to have clean water. So we're not going to give it to you now. 
Yeah, so evidently in their treaty, it wasn't specific enough that these people needed water, which everybody needs to survive. No one can live without water. So somehow they left it off of this treaty. They've been fighting for years to get water. And the Supreme Court says, well, you left it off the treaty. This is who these monsters are, and never forget that. So, let me see where I left off here. Okay, they're spraying. Yeah, I, I got, go over to my website on the um, tab for timeline. Just do a control F search and just type in DDT. You can see how in this country they were spraying everywhere this DDT stuff, everywhere, just massively spraying it, right? They were showing soldiers putting it on their skin to get the rest of us to think this is safe. So this is, these people are smart. They're catching on. This is, this is the plan, not the bug in the system, right? The virus or fake virus is just the way to get us to this spot, right? So um, b -b 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 massive spreading using planes, yes. Um, the, the last strategy deployed in Brazil, thanks Lula, Lula got in office because of his concern for the poor, that lying little psychopath. You know, I never thought women could be so vicious, but these women on the world stage that are looking like they're men, but they're really transgenders, like Lula, well, all of them, right? Um, well, they, they did not know who their mother was. That's why I think the world is just so fucked up right now. These people, without, they're taking drugs, they're on hormones, they were taking, <laughs> anyway, I gotta stop, okay, I just gotta stop. Okay. And that's why I think they, I can't stop yet. That's why I think they started with this drag queen business because they really seriously want people to believe that trannies look like drag queens. But instead, just look on the world stage. They're running the world. Lula, Biden, do I have the time to go down the list? No, I don't. So let me continue on here. We're in a tranny run world. Okay, the last strategy deployed in Brazil, which might be replicated in all other countries, is the use of GM mosquitoes. See, genetically modified mosquitoes. Also, this, here's another thing too. They're genetically modified food, right? Are they doing it on a sophisticated level? No, not really, but food and mosquitoes. Okay, beans kernels of rice. This is the level these people are at. Kernels of rice and beans that they're modified, right? And they're also saying that they're modified mosquitoes. Well, I think they probably could easily grow mosquitoes because if you have a big facility, put some stagnant water there, right? <laughs> Drop in some mosquito eggs. <laughs> this is not complicated stuff. Um, so it says the last strategy deployed in Brazil, which might be replicated, is the use of GM mosquitoes. Now this, this article is from a few years ago. I'll have to look to, oh, it's from um, 2016, okay. So yeah, these people were ahead of their game, right? Okay, um, so the GM genetically modified mosquitoes, a total failure except for the company supplying mosquitoes. And who's supplying mosquitoes? Well, Bill Gates, remember? <laughs> and the who? Along with the chronicle epidemic of dengue in Brazil, almost endemic in Northeast Brazil, just like the millions of people living in poverty and marginality, an outbreak of Zika 
a virus disease also transmitted by the Aedes mosquito. See, it's the same Aedes aegypti mosquito that's doing the ding and the Zika. At least they've kept it simple. I, I, I'm, I'm glad they didn't try to um, say this is coming from a few hundred of these mosquitoes. <laughs> There's something about Egypt, the Israelis, and all this stuff that I'll play a clip later. Okay, so remember, they wrote this script, okay? And they also wrote the script in their Bible as far as famines, blizzard, attacks of um, attacks of insects, um, locusts, um, famines, big the skies filling with black bugs and stuff. <laughs> I've never read the Bible, but I, I, but I I got the memo on. They talk in the Bible about herds of animals coming. It, it's all predicted, right? Here's what I think they're doing with the Zika thing now. Because I was looking at old clips of um, Anthony Fauci. <laughs> Well, doesn't get more suspicious than having Anthony Fauci in the picture, now does it, kids? He's also Italian, a Roman, married to a tranny. Yeah, Anthony Fauci. So, um, where was I going with Fauci? Um, well, I'll have to try to think about it. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that what they're doing is they are um, actually... Um, they're producing mosquitoes, okay, <laughs> and saying the mosquitoes have um, diseases. And that would be pretty simple to do because a lot of these diseases are coming from the chemicals they're spraying from the crops. So this is not, I would not consider this rocket science. So let me keep going on here. And also, I was looking up the U.S. bases in Africa. Air, U.S. moved into Africa after World War II. I'll maybe get to that in a bit here. So. This is where I think it was cooked up. So, okay, so I'm continuing to read from their page. Discovered in 1947 in the Zika forest in Uganda, the Zika virus is an arbovirus, A-R-B-O virus, of the genius Flavius. And they call it, it, there's this word called a group, and it's called flaviruses, F-L-A-V-O. I-V-U-R-U-S. Similar to the virus causing dengue, yellow fever, Japanese encephalitis, encephalitis is brain stuff, West, West Nile fever, St. Louis encephalitis, first human cases of Zika infection were described during the 1960s in Africa. After that, there were outbreaks in Southeast Asia and Oceania. So, right at the time the U.S. military is moving into Africa, we get this discovery, right? Is it a coincidence? I don't know. Up until 2007, when a large epidemic appeared in Yap, that's the island in the Pacific Ocean, Zika infections have been limited to sporadic cases or small-scale epidemics. During the Yap epidemic, an estimated three-quarters of the local population had been affected. The expanding, the expanding area of distribution of Zika turned Zika fever into an emerging disease confirmed by the current epidemic affecting French Polynesia since October 2013 and New Caledon with reported cases since late 2013. 
These Pacific islands are characterized by the large number of mosquitoes that proliferate, especially among native villages. In May 2015, the World Health Organization, who are you going to call? Always a reliable case, always a reliable source of information, right? <clears throat> who are you going to call? Reported native cases identified in Brazil last December 2015. The Minister of Health estimated that 440,000 and a million suspected cases of Zika virus had occurred in Brazil during 2015. The true incident of Zika virus is unknown due to the fact that its clinical manifestation imitate the infection caused by dengue virus and the lack of simple and reliable lab tests. In endemic areas, epidemiology studies show a high prevalence of antibodies against Zika. For example, the 2007 YAP academic resulted in an attack rate of 14.6 of a thousand inhabitants. So I can't read this part because it's getting too confusing. So let me just, so let me, I, we don't need that part. So it says resulted, so it usually happens as a flu-like syndrome, often confused with other arboviruses infections such as ding or the chicky one. The typical form of the disease is associated with low-grade fever, arthalgia, especially of small joints in hands and feet, myalgia, M-Y-A-L-G-I-A, headache, retroorbital pain, conjectivitis, and macupopular rash. Well, I'm not a doctor, but you, you would get eye issues. Conjectivitis is eye issues. If they're spraying this stuff all over, what happens is... That's why I'm very careful. I don't ever touch my eyes to my face or my eye. Excuse me. I don't ever touch my hands to my eyes, even in my house. I use a Kleenex because Kleenex isn't great because they're bleached. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying because it doesn't transfer the germs around. Because 99% of your stuff you're going to get if you touch your nose. <laughs> if you touch your nose, you're going to get sick, right? You're going to spread those diseases from your hands. And that's why I found this whole COVID thing so interesting that so many people needed to be told to wash their hands. Well, they clearly didn't have my mother. <laughs> you didn't come to the table without your hands being washed, okay? This is just basic stuff, right? How far we've gone. So anyway, so yeah, so here's the thing. So you're out there. They're spraying this stuff all over. You're touching things, right, with your hands, obviously. And then you touch your face with your hands, it's going to inflame your eyes because your hands are your hands are touching that poison that's laying all over the place. So Ziki in Brazil, on January 2016, the Brazilian Association for Collective Health, which is called Abrasco, A-B-R-A-S-C-O, published a technical note and open letter to the people of Brazil questioning the linear analysis carried out by the Ministry of Health of Brazil, which linked the emergent congenital malformalities to Zika, leaving aside other factors that can have an influence on the problem, and minimizing the fact that the widespread epidemic in the Pacific and the current epidemic in Colombia 
resulted in no cases of malformations, much less micropalpy. Above all, the role of the chemical model for vector control is ignored. This model implying the mass usage of chemical poisons in order to reduce or eradicate the presence of mosquitoes has been carried out in the most vulnerable areas of Northeast Brazil for 40 years, whilst the epidemics, poverty, social marginalization, deforestation, and climate change has multiplied. Since the second half of 2014, the Brazilian Ministry of Health stopped using this thing called Tempenos, T-E-M-E-P-H-O-S, because they said the larva became resistant as larvicide massively incorporated the poison that's at propen, P-Y-R-O-P-R-O-X, fen commercially known as, this is a commercial name, he had jot this down, there's always a million names in here, okay, the commercial name is Sumilarv, S-U-M-I-L-A-R-V, and that's manufactured by Sumimoto Chemical, Sumimoto, S-U-M-I-M-O-T-O, a Japanese company associated to or subsidiary of Monsanto in Latin America. Always good to know who are the players, who's perpetuating this on people, right? Okay, the spatial distribution by place of residence of mothers of children born with microphalli shows a higher concentration in the poorest areas of Northeast Brazil with poor urbanization and inadequate sanitization. Large areas of Rice, R-E-S-I-F-E, and other cities in northeastern Brazil with intermittent water supply led these communities to store water at home in an unsafe manner due to the inadequate protection of tanks intended for human consumption, leading to very favorable conditions for the Aedes aegypti mosquito by creating a breeding ground which should not exist and that can be and that can be mechanically removed. This propyphen is applied directly by the Brazilian Ministry of Health on drinking water re- reservoirs used by the people of Pernuco, where the proliferation of the 80s mosquito is very high, a situation similar to the Pacific Islands. This poison recommended by the who are you going to call is a growth inhibitor of mosquito larvae which alters the development process of larvae pupa adult thus generating malformations in developing mosquitoes and causing their death or incapacity. It is analogous to the insect juvenile hormone or juvenoids which has the effect of inhibiting the development of adult insect characteristics, for example, wings, mature external genitalia, and the reproductive development maintaining an immature aspect, which means that it acts by endocrine disruption and that it is tetragenic. Yeah, what they do is they're always interrupting our hormonal system, right? Our endocrine system. It's always being attacked and everything they do, they're one trick ponies, kids. Everything they do is attacking our autoimmune system. (laughs) So let me continue on here. Mouth 
formations detected in thousands of children from pregnant women living in areas where the Brazilian state added this profifen to drinking water is not a coincidence. Even though the Ministry of Health places a direct blame on Zika virus for this damage, while trying to ignore its responsibility and ruling out the hypotheses of direct and cumulative chemical damage caused by years of indoctrinate and immunological disruption of the affected population. Doctors from the Brazilian Association for Collective Health, or Brasco, demand that urgent epidemiological studies taking into account this causal link to be carried out especially when among 3,893 cases of malformations confirmed until January 20, 2016, 49 children have died and only five of them were confirmed to have been infected with Zika. Many policymakers, even PAHOS, P-A-H-O, and OMS epidemiologists, public health experts, chemists, and politicians Politicians in general easily forget that human beings, every one of us, have developed embryonic development processes in which we go through very different stages. The evolution from zygote to embryo, from embryo to fetus, and from fetus to newborn is not far from the development process of the mosquito affected by profifen. They are also they also very easily try to ignore that in humans, 60% of our active genes are identical to those of insects, such as the Aedes mosquito, and that it is much more confusing when they are advised by experts that foundations and chemical insecticide companies, or when decision makers from the Ministry of Health are former employees of global companies manufacturing and selling poisons for domestic purposes. Well, it's just a sliding thing. They're going from one thing to the next. Brazil fumigates against adult 80s using malatom, that's the word, M-A-L-A-T-I-O-M, a carcinogenic organophosphate compounded according to who you going to call. Paraguay acquired thousands of tons of Clossy forest in order to kill mosquitoes, although we know that Clossy forest affects the developing brain and fetus of newborns. In Argentina, vector control is carried out using these pythoids, P-Y-R-E-T-H-O-I-D-S, which is a little less toxic but banned in Europe because its effects on people. For doctors in Abrasco, the problem is that behind these decisions we find the World Health Organization and the Pan-American Health Organization holding pesticides committees that maintain no dialogue with the environmental, sanitation, and health promotion committees. In these agencies, the committees prescribing the use and regulation of the purchase of supplies for vector control for the entire world are imperial. It is these agencies who convince and endorse the tendering processes for national governments. How to face these diseases. The hegemonic strategies for facing these diseases spread by mosquitoes and multiplied by poverty, lack of sanitation, etc., lack of safe water, 
are vertical intervention programs, while chemical poison, larvicide and adulticides, demobilize a population by relying on the success of the poison's properties, which in turn makes them sick, kills the natural predators of mosquitoes, and generates the need for repeated applications that only benefit the chemical poisons companies. I'm gonna, um, I'll, I'll, I think I can finish it, let me see here. The vast amount of independent scientific data shows how this strategy is defective and that it's only useful for taking photographs of the rulers in office. Community-based strategies, including social participation and mobilization, yield better results against impe impeding epidemic. These steps that led to defeating the disease are linked to social justice and equity. Clearly, the social sectors affected by dengue and Zika are the poorest and most deprived of services and rights. In some very specific moments, massive aerial spraying over inhabited areas might be advisable, but their effects are limited only by decreasing the amount of adult mosquitoes during two to three days which can be useful when colder days arrive. So, controlling applications around houses in the first case, see this, this is where we start to, um, and I'm not saying it against these people, I'm just saying that it just dawned on me that, like with these vaccines, we start to kind of accept that any of this is good, right? Because if I'm thinking now that disease mosquitoes don't even exist in the first place, right? Um, this massive sprain can only make them worse, right? So if you create a false situation and then you, you use that situation to spray chemicals all over everybody, um, it's gonna always appear like you have a problem because you're gonna be breeding more and more sophisticated mosquitoes, but not, not like they're talking about, but you're just gonna just by nature do that, right? Um, so I would have to say that they probably didn't need to spray mosquitoes in the first place, okay? so. They're, here they're talking about um, our experience from the dengue epidemic in Cordoba in 2009 in which we had direct participation shows that the distribution of cases corresponding to the same distribution of infant mortality in 2000, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, so it says mass spraying is not the solution to a problem. It is merely generating a business within a problem. Within this framework, there is a new health intervention strategy in Brazil, which they will try to expand. Oh, no, 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 let me see. I'll just, they're continuing on. I'm almost done. There's only one more page left. The English company Oxitec, which we now know is funded by Bill and Melinda Gates, right, sells, the English company Oxitec, O-X-I-T-E-C, sells male GM mosquitoes supposedly in order to decrease the Aedes population. A lethal gene is inserted into those mosquitoes. Now, do we know that? Do we really know that? Which is transmitted to the offspring, causing death to larva if it is not blocked by an antibiotic like tetracycline. The goal is that millions of male mosquitoes are released to mate with wild females so that their eggs result in larvae, which die spontaneously. 
the business is to sell those lab mosquitoes to governments, and then people need to protect those mosquitoes because supposedly it is neither necessary nor advisable to remove the sites where mosquitoes breed. Currently in Brazil, nearly 15 million GM mosquitoes have been released and the failure is complete. Where field tests were carried out, less than 15% of larvae were transgenic. That's T-R-A-N-S-G-E-N-I-C. That is to say, wild females are not accepting the English mosquito from Oxitec. The response, increasing the release in poor areas. Also, we must take into account that the biology of the disease shows that the female only stings when it is pregnant and generating eggs after being fertilized by a male. It does in that state and only then because it needs blood components in order to develop the eggs. So if millions of male mosquitoes are released, there will be many more fertilized eggs looking to suck the blood of mammals, thus increasing the spreading of the disease from infected people to poor people. Well, they have a very good point here, right? <clears throat> I think the point that we need to take away is these people don't know what they're, not, not the people writing this, but Bill Gates and these mosquito releases, right? How much money can they make off of just, you know, this company, Oxitec, just could have some pools and they're just breeding mosquitoes, right? <laughs> it could be a well-funded shell company raking in billions of dollars and all they're doing is breeding mosquitoes that they can drop out of planes, right? <laughs> I mean, let's think about this, right? Could be as simple as that, right? Okay, so they're talking now. It says, in the face of the Zika threat, mass sprains and muscure. It's M-E-R-C-O-S-U-R. It's an area. The governments of muscure are causing alarm with the threat of Zika and microphalli posing more of the same. The agribusiness is offering these services of the Soya, S-O-Y-A, Air Force to be used for spraying over cities and villages. Monoculture, the massive use of pesticides, deforestation, destruction of flora and fauna, ecological imbalance, climate change, inequality, those factors are not considered as a cause of the problem. <laughs> to social inequity, these epidemics will add health will add health inequities and governments will and governments with their chemical attacks will generate environmental inequity. So yeah, this is about the money, right? But it's about the money, <clears throat> excuse me, about the money in eugenics. And this title, just so you remember, we easy, I found it over on the index. It was Report from Physicians in the Crop Sprayed Villages. Okay, and um, I think, I don't have the actual, um, I what I was looking around for, just so you know how I look for some of these things, I did a search for, because in the last segment, which will be on this show that I just recorded separately, I was talking about Fauci is in the picture here with Zika, right? Well, 
I believe they're doing, what they did was this. When they started, for example, let me just give you an example. When they started bombing, um, developing the nuclear bomb for the Manhattan Project, okay? Let's just stick with that. They needed photographs, right? And the photographs they needed um, had to be processed and all that stuff and turned into movies. And I've been watching, there's a whole series of movies created by these people now on YouTube. And I've talked about this place forever. It's called Lookout Mountain. And what they did was while they were doing the testing in Nevada, they were taking photos and stuff, documenting it, and it was going to Lookout Mountain in California to be produced into movies from the very beginning, right? So I believe this is probably the same kind of business model, right? They got the thing going in a poor part of Brazil. They, oh, look, it's Zika. Okay, now they got the photos of all these children, right? So along with those photos, we've got all these people saying it's these mosquitoes. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do you really think it's that specific mosquito? <laughs> they, they, say they, they say they've identified 4,000 mosquitoes. Okay, let, let, let's say that they've identified 4,000 mosquitoes. I do believe the part that mosquitoes have cells and stuff because, of course, they're mosquitoes. They're a living being. Um, but I'm not really sure that I believe this whole story about the mosquitoes are carrying these diseases. I think the plot line is this. I think they have figured out a very cheap way to do eugenics, and mos mosquitoes are the way. So um, because they've got this Zika thing covered now, right? Now they're saying anybody can get bit Day or night doesn't matter. You won't even know that you're bit. Day or night doesn't even matter, right? It really opens it up to a lot of things. And now they're saying, oh, well, you know, if you had sex with somebody, you might have gotten Zika, right? So they're really opening it up to a whole, the whole idea is to divide and separate us, right? And what better, they always throw it into the sex stuff, right? So then you can say, well, <laughs> I don't think I trust having sex with anybody because they might have Zika, right? So they follow, in my view, pretty close to the exact same pattern. So I, I really think that Zika is going to be a huge deal because I think they've been in the marketing phase for a very long time here. So I am going to carefully put this on pause, go take a break, because I have um, some other clips I want to talk to you about. And then I have some more information about that base in Africa that I want to talk about. I think it got started in Africa, pretty simple. It doesn't seem like a stretch to me, so let me pause this here. I haven't talked about Fauci, um, and um, I'd like to just give you an overview because um, there were a lot of scandals in his past, and because we're talking about cooking up things. Um, I found a pretty decent clip that explains some of the, um, it's called Concocting a Crisis, Fauci Unmasked. For decades, scandal has been not the exception, but the rule at Fauci's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. In 1991, the Office of Government Ethics investigated Dr. Fauci's NIAID for ethical violations pertaining to government employees moonlighting in private industry without proper oversight. The investigation concluded that some activities appeared to be approved without adequate documentation. And Fauci's malfeasance extended far beyond America's national borders. In January 2002, after the FDA had threatened to send inspectors to investigate reports of ethical violations in an AIDS study conducted by NIAID in Uganda, the German pharmaceutical giant 
Boehringer Ingelheim sent its own investigators with a promise to share the findings with the agency. Boehringer concluded that Fauci's study was in serious non-compliance with FDA regulations, including failure to disclose serious risks to the study participants. So here's me as a doc, you can't see it, making rounds in a hospital in Kampala, these African doctors, were me in 1981. In an effort to stave off a formal FDA investigation, Fauci's NIAID hired a private consulting group, Westat, to compile their own report on the study. But Westat's conclusions were just as damning as Boehringer's. In some ways, they were worse. The inspectors uncovered a loss of critical records at the Kampala study site, including a ledger that had logged the injuries and deaths suffered by study participants. A couple of years later, in 2004, an internal NIH review described Fauci's AIDS research team as managers who seemed unaware of the need for appropriate behavior, decorum, and enforcement of good management practices and rules of supervision. In 2005, an Associated Press review discovered that Fauci's agency had funded research that tested AIDS drugs on hundreds of foster children. At least 10 children died. And while the researchers refused to attribute the deaths directly to the drug they were testing, they had to admit that overall mortality while receiving the study drug was significantly higher, and that this finding remains unexplained. While such unexplained deaths and missing records about those deaths raise troubling questions about Dr. Fauci's ethics and leadership, most of the scandals that have occurred on the celebrity bureaucrat's watch revolve around a more prosaic subject, cold, hard cash. There are going to be resources that are going to have to be forthcoming to be able to implement the kinds of things that I think are going to be needed. In 2003, Dr. Fauci redirected $117 million away from infectious disease research toward the development of a new anthrax vaccine. The following year, Fauci directed a whopping $5.6 billion appropriation for bioterrorism research as part of Project BioShield, which was, at that time, the largest single-issue spent in NIH history. Project BioShield is a three-pronged program. It increases the authorities and flexibilities of the NIH to expedite research. It establishes a secure funding source to purchase countermeasures, and it establishes an FDA emergency use authorization. Still, despite all those billions of dollars, four years later, the government pulled the plug on the project. Fauci had failed to develop a new anthrax vaccine, and later even echoed the concerns of his critics, who believed the project was a waste of money that directed attention away from other more urgent threats to the public. At the end of the day, Fauci finally admitted, you're not going to kill as many people in an anthrax attack as you would if you blasted off a couple of car bombs in Times Square. If you put your money with smallpox vaccine, this vaccine, that vaccine, while you're doing that, you should be pushing for something that's more broad. And that gets under the category of the basic research as well as the applied... Spending money is how government bureaucrats protect their power and positions. In business, a CEO might be rewarded for saving money on fruitless endeavors 
reinvesting those funds in more profitable enterprises. In administrative government, saving money just means you get your budget cut. So after Fauci's failure to develop a vaccine to fight AIDS, and after his failure to develop a new vaccine to fight anthrax, the politically savvy bureaucrats spent the following decade promoting wild goose chase after wild goose chase to further enhance his influence and power. Well, I don't think we need to play a hundred clips about Fauci now, do we? <laughs> I just wanted to play that because I haven't really focused on him, and he is pretty key in the eugenics game now, isn't he? So I'm going to put this on pause for a second here. Okay, I've been talking about them splicing things into these tiny mosquitoes, right? Okay. Um, I pulled up something on the GMO crops because they're doing the same kind of thing with crops. And there's allegations that they're using RNA. So let me just read this. It says, new genetically or GM crops use RNA interference technology for mass sterilization. And this was from 2017. Everybody has a view, right? You don't want to just start saying, oh, this sounds too crazy. <laughs> okay, so... Because um, you'd be surprised. I looked through some of these files over on Yandex, and my first thought could be, well, this is crazy. And then I think, well, why don't I just take a little closer look? Okay. Gene, gene silencing raised some eye... No, excuse me, excuse me. Gene silencing. Oh. <clears throat> gene silencing raised some eyebrows when it was first touted just over a year ago. And this article is from 2017. As the next miracle, gene alteration technology. It was, the, it was developed with the ability to make precise insertions and deletions into a plant's genome. This new technology has been developed to utilize RNA interference to block protein translation in a gene. It doesn't sound so ubiquitous, perilous, until you realize that the specific target is an insect's reproductive ability. The technology called RNAI, for short, has been touted as a therapy, ideologically promoted as a mechanism to silence unwanted genes that can cause cancer and other diseases. This mechanic, mechanistic scientific viewpoint is a common feature of reductionist views which see the human being and all of nature as a machine which can be tampered with without ever affecting its consti constituent or parts. The true intention for the use of this technology seems to be quite different, though. Genetic researchers are now weaponizing plants by engineering them to have specific RNA fragments that shut down a target gene sequence that allows insects to reproduce. All the insect has to do is eat the plant and they are rendered sterile. Sterilizing the insects may seem harmless until you realize that we are all destined to eat those plants too with the very same RNA insertion. So, yeah, they're talking about they have found, and I don't know if any of this is true. I just think right now, when you're at the beginning stages of something like Zika, you don't start tossing stuff out 
<laughs> right away, right? So we're, we're at the gathering information stage, right? They say plants, just like people, can turn off one or more of their genes by using a process called RNA interference to block protein translation. On the surface, the technology was meant to sexually castrate beetles, moths, worms, and other pests. The technology will also render beneficial insects sterile, and the implications are that they could cause mass sterilization of the human population as well. Well, they said that genetically modified soy had been linked to the sterility of hamsters. Um, GMOs have caused animal miscarriages. Gender-bending chemicals used heavily in GMO crops are also associated with reduced fertility. Well, is any of this true? Well, I don't really know. I just think that it's something worth exploring, right? Um, I'm not really sure that... Well, they're saying they're doing this gene stuff, right? Maybe they're doing it on a very limited basis, right? So we don't have to buy the whole package, right? We can just take a cautious eye towards some of it, right? So um, I don't know. I think it, um, and I was also looking into, they, they kept talking about this Julian Barr stuff um, and the Zika stuff, right? Julian Barr. Well, a lot of celebrities and famous people have come up with this Julian Barr, and I'm pretty much of the nature that it's coming from some sort of hormone use. So I looked at it a little more carefully, and um, Julian Barr syndrome is often preceded by an infection. Well, I mean, a lot of these kids living in a poor area, I mean, what are the odds they could have an infection? Stagnant water all over the place and stuff, right? Um, so... It says, um, Julian Barr syndrome is also preceded by an infection. This could be bacterial or viral infection. Julian Barr syndrome may also be triggered by vaccine administration or surgery. In the context of Zika virus infection, unexpected increase in cases of Julian Barr syndrome has been described in affected countries. The most likely explanation of available evidence from outbreaks of Zika virus infection and Julian Barr syndrome is that Zika virus infection is a trigger of Julian Barr syndrome. So yeah, very much could be the case. And remember, we are so contaminated about everything, right? All these things. Um, because there is this thing I found about contamination of the vaccine with non-viral proteins must be avoided. I just found this, this comment, and it was interesting. So what they're doing, I've talked about this, all the things they're putting into vaccines to make them more contaminated. And it said, even for Zika virus proteins, will a search be performed to avoid molecular mimicry to self-antigens? Yeah, so... No, because what they're going to do with the Zika thing is they're going to come up with a vaccine. Then they're going to say, hey, we got to add this stuff to it because we could only send this out in big vials with lots of doses because that's where they get in trouble is the multiple doses. So um, there's this thing called flavirus, F 
L-A-V-I-V-I-R-U-S. And what it is, it's a word you're going to run across, okay? In order for us to understand these things, we need to understand them completely, right? And that, you know, it was only when I started trying to understand it that I could start to smell a rat, right? When you got Anthony Fauci in the pictures, you got this going on, that going on. Start wondering, you got Bill, Bill Gates as the producer of the mosquitoes. Start to smell some rats, right? So, Flavivus is a genus of positive strand RNA viruses in the family of Flavididae. The genus, the genus, the genus, G-E-N-U-S, includes the West Nile virus, dengue virus, tick-borne encephalitis virus, yellow fever virus, and zinc Zika virus. So it looks like there's a lot of them getting packaged in here, right? Um, and the flavivirus, because I was so confused, and you'll run across that word, okay? And I'm just going to read it to you because I'm not doing that great today. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to assume that I'm just not understanding this, okay? But I'm going to I'm going to assume that you want the information so you can go look for yourself, okay? When a person is infected with a flavivirus for a second time, the antibodies, antibodies that were generated after the initial infection can cause the second one to be more severe. So if you get um, a structure and understanding of the flavivirus membrane, fusion has informed the design of antiviral molecules. So, we need to understand this, and I'm not able to right now, okay? So, flavivirus, any virus belonging to the family Flavividae have enveloped, I don't know, well, if you're smarter than me and you want to go look more, because here's the thing, this is why I, I got onto these Flavi deals, right? I'll just try to spell this and read it to you. Because this is the words that got my eyes, okay? Flavividae, F-L-A-V-I-V-I-R-I-D-A-E, contain three genera. Flavivirus, and that's hepavirus and pestivirus. Species of flavivirus are transmitted by either insects or arachnoids and cause severe diseases such as yellow fever, dengue, tick-borne encephalitis, Japanese bee encephalitis. So I think it's just kind of a word within a word. But when you get these, when you get this characteristics and you get it the second time, for some reason, it makes you worse. So that leads me to believe that getting repeat attacks of these things, well, obviously we could have figured that out, is pretty bad because there was... I looked at these famous cases with this Jillian Barr thing, right? And they said that FDR, the 32nd president of the U.S., was stricken with a paralytic illness in 1921 at the age of 39. Now, here again, we have to question it all. Did FDR just decide to ride around in a wheelchair? <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> and I'm not laughing at people in wheelchairs, but I'm saying that. Just like the crowd that wears the turbans, right? <laughs> the 
the 1% that wear the turbans, they got it made. They never have to worry about going bald. They don't have to worry about putting on wigs. They just put that turban on. So did FDR just choose to ride around in a wheelchair? I really don't know. Okay, so, <laughs> and I'm not making fun of crippled people, okay? So his main symptoms were fever, semitic, ascending paralysis, facial paralysis, bowel and bladder dysfunction, numbness. And so they said that he may have had the Julian Barr syndrome, okay? Um, so I don't know. Do I believe any of that? Not really, not really, because here's the thing. At some point, it's important to just keep moving, and some little details <laughs> just don't tend to be as important as other details. So, was FDR riding around in a wheelchair on purpose? That we will likely never know. So let me put this on pause for a minute here. There is one more piece that I found out of Brazil that I had another file I want to read. Okay. Has the Zika virus been unfairly blamed for the rise in birth defects among hundreds of South American children and have many otherwise healthy babies lost their lives because of it? According to a new report, and that was this was a report from the report that I read. <laughs> what happens is they issue this report and then it shows up in other news cycles, okay? According to a new report by Argentine physician group Physicians in Crop Springs, it's, it's a group called Physicians in Crop Sprayed Towns. The widely feared virus isn't the cause of microfalcy, a rare birth defect that causes smaller than usual skulls and varying degrees of brain damage. The anomaly has been on the rise in South American countries since the outbreak of the Zika virus, and otherwise non-fatal mosquito-borne disease that has already managed to make its way to many states across the U.S. Many national governments, along with the World Health Organization, have linked Zika with the rise of microphalli births, with some official advising women in affected nations not to get pregnant for at least two years. Some abortion groups have even jumped into the fray, offering free abortion drugs to women in South American countries that have strict abortion laws on the off chance they might give birth to a child with special needs. But PCST says Zika isn't the cause of the problem. Instead, pointing to a Japanese manufactured larvicide as the potential culprit. According to the group's report, other Zika outbreaks have not resulted in microphalli cases. Previous Zika epidemics did not cause birth defects in newborns, despite infecting 75% of the population in these countries. Also, in other countries, such as Colombia, there are no records of microphalli. However, there are plenty of Zika cases. Moreover, PCST says the outbreak of microphalli appear to be concentrated in rural towns where water was treated in recent years with epoxifen, a toxic chemical used to kill mosquito larvae. Malformations detected in thousands of children from pregnant women living in areas where the Brazilian state added proxifen to drinking water 
is not a coincidence. Even though the Ministry of Health places a direct blame on Zika virus for this damage while trying to ignore its responsibility and ruling out the hypotheses of direct and cumulative chemical damage caused by years of indoctrinate and immunological disruption of the affected population. Doctors from the Brazilian Association for Collective Health, or Brasco, demand that urgent epidemiology studies taking into account this causal link be carried out, especially when 3,893 cases of malformations confirmed. In, the fa in fact, the Washington Post reported in January that Brazilian health officials determined more than half of hundreds of documented microfallacy cases weren't linked to Zika at all. So it says the Washington Post report in January that Brazilian health officials determined more than half of hundreds of documented microfallacy cases weren't linked to Zika at all. Still, abortion advocates have committed to push the Brazilian government to allow abortions, which are currently banned under any circumstances across the nation, in cases where the mother contracts Zika during her pregnancy. Fear over giving birth to a deformed child has also taken root among root among women in Colombia, where many are choosing abortion rather than face the possibility of burying a child with microphaly, despite there having been no recorded cases of Zika-related microphaly in that country so far. So, if it's true that Zika isn't to blame for children being born with microphaly, it only serves to make the notion that hundreds of thousands of children may be aborted out of fear even more horrific. So there's always a lot of effects. So when you're looking at something, always look for how far is this deal spread? Well, obviously pretty far because you've got agencies in Brazil handing out ways for women to get pills to get abortions, right? You got women in countries that don't even have Zika there thinking they should choose abortions. So yeah, pretty big effect, right? This is all about splitting us up, and I'll say this once more again. How hard is the philosophy of divide and conquer for everybody to really grasp? We have been divided and conquered into many bits. We, we get pitted onto East and West, North Korea, South Korea. You know, it's like right after the war we get tricked into communism. You know, we got to go fight the Russians. Well, we were fighting arm in arm with the, with the Russians right up until the time they decided to go with communism versus democracy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and it is to split the sexes because they don't want us talking to each other. And I must say, it has been a pretty effective trick. And I will be putting this on pause right now because my idea is not to go on a rampage <laughs> about how we got here. I'm trying to explain it to you now. So I will just put this on pause. And I've talked on and on about U.S. military bases in Africa. Well, how'd they get all those bases there? Well... It's called AFRICOM, A-F-R-I-C-O-M, okay? I'm just going to give you a little bit of brief part, because remember, the, they have not had to submit a budget that is balanced 
in years, okay? So of course they've got all this money to run around and set up bases in Africa because this is the plan, not the bug in the system, right? So in the shadows of what was once called the dark continent, a scramble has come and gone. If you heard nothing about it, that was by design. But look hard enough, and north to south, east to west, you'll find the fruits of that effort, a network of bases, compounds, and other sites whose sum total exceeds the number of nations on the continent. For a military that has stumbled from Iraq to Afghanistan and suffered setbacks from Libya to Syria, it's a rare can-do triumph in remote locales behind fences and beyond the great gaze of prying eyes the u.s military has built an extensive archipelago of african outposts transforming the continent experts say into a laboratory for a new kind of war so how many u.s bases are there in africa it's a simple question with a simple answer for years u.s Africa Command, or AFRICOM, gave a stock response. One, they claim that Camp Lemonier, that's Camp Lemonier, L-E-M-O-N-N-I-E-R, is the tiny sun-bleached nation of D-J-I-B-O-U-T-I, was America's only acknowledged base on the continent. So you're looking for the word is AFRICOM, Camp Lemonier, okay? Those are your two words that will get you moving on looking into this stuff further, okay? Take a look at the Pentagon's official list of bases, however, and the number grows. In 2015, report on the Department of Defense's global property portfolio lists Camp Lemonier and three other deep-rooted sites on or near the continent. A medical research facility in Cairo, Egypt that was established in 1946. There's a place called U.S. Medical Research Unit Number 3. It is, in fact, a medical research facility in Cairo, Egypt that was established in 1946. So now we got them over there in 1946, right? And now we got the Zika and the mosquitoes going wild in the early 40s, right? So I think you get my point here. Um, there was a big article done by The Intercept, which is, of course, one of their people. But um, So let me see. When AFRICOM became an independent command in 2008, Camp Lanier was reportedly still one of the few American outposts on the continent. In the years since, the U.S. embarked on nothing short of a building boom, even if the command is low to refer to in those terms. So yeah, um, they have, um, as a result, is now able to carry out an increasing number of overt and covert missions from training exercises to drone assassinations. And they got all these drone bases there, so... You can spend a lot of time looking at AFRICOM, okay? And um, they have, they're coming up with these um, big, um, let me see, AFRICOM as a new command is basically a laboratory for a different kind of warfare, posturing war. There's this Oxford Research Group says, um, yeah, if you look at Africa, 
uh, like China owns one part, of, they're all over the place, okay? And it would be kind of futile for me to try to figure it out because um, it's pretty well hidden. But the fact is, we have them in Africa, right? We have them in Egypt, Africa, 19, what was it, 1946, I said? Well, I think we get the general idea now, don't we? Um, they were in Africa at that time. <laughs> so, yeah, so they say that there could be anywhere from, um, because there's just different reports, because in February 2013, the U.S. also began flying predatory drones out of Niger's capital, Niamey. So, yeah, they have these, um, and they said, a year later, Captain Rich Cook, then chief of U.S. Africa Command's engineering division, mentioned the potential for a new base-like facility that would be semi-permanent with cap and capable of air operations in that country. That September, the Washington Post Craig Whitlock exposed plans to base drones at a second location there. Within days, the U.S. Embassy in Niamey announced that AFRICOM was indeed assessing the possibility of establishing a temporary... See, <laughs> they've lost... Well, the U.S. is... I, I, you know, I, I'm, I've got to close this file out about Zika, okay? As fascinating as I find the fact that the U.S. military is all over Africa, and I've been saying this <laughs> for a very long time, that... <laughs> Look in Africa. Um, you think anybody? Yeah. So they got over there. Okay, we got the criminals at the scene of the crime already, right? That's all we need to know for today. Is we got them in Africa in 1946 or whatever I said. So. And gee, kind of funny that right after that they started coming up with these diseases. Now, yeah, maybe maybe it's just a coincidence. Okay, all of a sudden to this, maybe. Maybe a few things are at play here. Maybe most people in this country consider me to be completely insane, right? I mean, I hear the word crazy. I've heard it my whole life, okay? So, <laughs> and obviously, I've never aspired to be what they consider normal because for years I kept thinking, because they got me in that trap with giving me pills and saying, oh, you got to be this way, you got to be that way. And, you know, I just kept resisting that and thinking, what is normal? I mean, these are the people that define normal. So these are the same people that have defined me as being completely crazy. You know, I, I spent a couple of nights in a mental ward in this country because they said that I was crazy and they needed to help me and give me some more pills. <laughs> that was a horrifying event. Um, I spent a night in a U.S. jail here. So there's a couple of options, okay? Maybe I am completely insane. Could be, right? Look at my medical records. They claim that I'm insane. The U.S. government has transformers all around my house trying to to poison me and my pets. <laughs> so you always have to look at all of your options. As unfortunate as that option is, you have to look at them. You have to seriously think, before I take any more information from Diane, maybe she is crazy, right? Just like we have to question these mosquitoes. Do they really have those diseases or are they really just in the business of selling mosquitoes for billions of dollars? <laughs> you have to think about these things, right? Um, so why have they been so quiet about all these bases in Africa all these years? Nobody knows how many bases are there. You know, I've read reports of 20, I've read reports of 40, I've read reports of this. And, uh, well, you think the people in Africa are going to go and snitch out the U.S. government? <laughs> when you work for the U.S. government, let's say, let's say you're working in Africa 
let's say you're an African person and you're working for a U.S. military base, okay, at that Lemon Joey place, the main place. Let's say you're working there, right? You can now. I haven't been there. <laughs> I, I was raised on military bases because my father was a U.S. Air Force officer, so I do know a little bit about military bases. <laughs> Even as kids, we were we could be jerks at times, right? All kids could be jerks. We were never once jerks when we were on the U.S. military base because we knew that it was tightly monitored, okay? Those military police or MPs were all over the place, okay? We used to go on to the military base when my dad was stationed in Spain. We lived on base housing, so we would go on to the military base to go to the movies, okay? And that's where I learned military time because I was about 10 or 12 at that time, okay? And back then, kids were free-range because my parents kind of knew the direction we were heading in, but we would leave the base housing, take a bus, get over to the base. Sometimes we would travel into Madrid, which was 20 minutes away by bus, <laughs> pack a little kids. we just hop on the bus and go into Madrid. They knew where we were going, but not specifically. So we'd hop on the bus, and we'd go over to the base to go to the movies, right? Well, we were the best kids on earth when we were on that base because we knew that you do not step out of line. There's no messing around when you're on a U.S. military base. So can you imagine these people in Africa getting hired to work on a U.S. military base? Well, first of all, they're going to be told, and they're going to sign a lot of paperwork. They're going to act like they got to screen you to get this job and make it, make it like it's really important so everybody in the whole community is going to work on this base, right? They did the same thing for the nuclear business. What they did was when they set up places like Rocky Flats and stuff, they advertised jobs to the general public. They just left off the part that the jobs were dangerous, right? So they offered jobs to the general public. They paid them more than other jobs, and there were some skills involved. So people had to go and get some basic training to get these jobs. Well, I bet the thing is just replicated in Africa, right? So let's say you're living near one of these bases and you want to get a job. Well, you probably find out from your friends that if you go to this training program or something, that will help your odds to get onto this job, right? So when you get onto this job during the interview and stuff, you're going to be, you're going to take it pretty seriously, right? <laughs> you're from a village of Africa, right? You're not going to, if they tell you that they could sentence you to the rest of your life in prison and your entire family, if you breathe a word of what's going on, what do you think the obedience rate is going to be? Well, I, I think the compliance rate would be pretty high, right? I think a lot of people would take that kind of warning very seriously. Go look at the people from Rocky Flats. Look at those interviews. They took that very seriously because it came from the psychopaths in charge. This is actually a brilliant plan on many, many levels because... We got taken in by some people who cooked up a lot of fear. <laughs> what you do is you create the fear, you create the panic, and of course you create the secrecy, right? So yeah, so it would be fairly easy to carry your operation into Africa after World War II, right? When everybody's breathing a sigh of relief. Oh, those camps, all those surgeries, that'll never happen again, right? Well... All they did was move it out of Ramstein Base in Germany into Africa. Seems pretty simple to me. Um, so yeah, that, that's exactly how it happened. Um, now, can I prove any of this? No. But you're going to have to decide.
am I crazy or does this information make sense? Well, I would hope, and I, I mean this very seriously, I would hope that you would consider the option and consider, am I crazy? Because frankly, that would mean, if you don't consider that, that would mean you're not paying attention to how you research things, right? Because you need to consider, is your source crazy? Or are they transmitting information that you should be paying attention to? They've set it up now so that people really, their first reaction, if it doesn't come from the government, and if it's like myself, if it happens to be speaking against the government in a pretty precise way, in general, the public's perception of somebody like me, their very first response is, that is crazy. So by extension, Diane has to be crazy because that has, in fact, been bred into all of our brains, right? Because I myself thought years ago, just kind of out of the corner of my eye, when people were talking about cell phone um, transmissions and harming us and cancer from using your cell phone, I myself thought those people might be crazy. Now, did I take it one step further and go to presentations they were giving and call them crazy? No. But instead of even having that passing thought about them being crazy, I could have looked a little bit more myself because I have had this radiation thing on my radar for quite a long time. And uh, I could have also, and I read that in comments a lot, people say, why doesn't somebody do something about this? Well, <laughs> I'm trying to do something about it, but what I find it's within this environment that the majority of people find me crazy. So if you're really evaluating the truth, you have to look at all the things. And I look at that when I look at some of these websites, which on the surface might look crazy. I withhold my judgment because I don't like being called crazy. If you called me crazy at some point and I laughed, it was because you made me very uncomfortable, not because I thought you were so clever, right? <laughs> so, it's happened my entire life. As a matter of fact, a few of the people that I ran into, the first thing they want to tell me are crazy stories about their memories of me. So, we have been led to believe that some of us are crazy. And, I don't know, decide for yourself. Decide completely for yourself. We stop thinking for ourselves. We stop looking for how this stuff got started and most of all we stopped believing each other and far most of the stuff we we chose to place our solidarity with psychopaths versus other people who maybe weren't crazy but you were being programmed to perceive them as crazy so there's a lot of options out there but before we've explored all those options you know I think I'm going to be closing this now and I think that mosquitoes are, in my mind, highly likely they're fake. Well, there are mosquitoes, but this whole mosquito disease deal, I've done enough shows about this. I did the HIV show, fake, right? They come up with these diseases, they, they make them very vague to target a certain population. In this case, I believe they targeted those poor innocent children in Brazil so they could get their photos and pin this entire thing on Zika. So I think you get where I'm going with all this. I'm hoping I, I got to get busy with that World War II stuff, but I want to close out this file because I didn't want to keep 
I didn't want to keep moving until I was sure about the Zika thing. So yesterday I thought, well, I'm just going to hold the file that I, I, I recorded the show yesterday and didn't have the funds to upload it. So I thought, well, maybe it's an opportunity. So what I'll do is I'll hold the file for a day and I'll add to it today. Well, today I decided that after thinking about it more carefully that I'm firmer when I'm thinking about Zika, okay? <laughs> Bill Gates selling mosquitoes for billions of dollars. I'll look into I'm sure that anybody could look into the financials of this because A, Bill Gates will be making a lot of money selling those mosquitoes, right? Countries are going to be paying a lot of money to import those mosquitoes from Bill Gates, right? So let's say that Bill Gates says he's charging a country a billion dollars to ship mosquitoes. Well, how much of that money gets shifted off the top? I think they've just found something that is incredibly simple. They can make billions of dollars on, and it's something as simple <laughs> as a mosquito. I don't know. I I'm 100% right now, and believe me, if I think any differently in the future, I will certainly let you know. But as of right now, I am firm that mosquitoes are not giving us anything. Mosquitoes, according to me, who could be a crazy person, are a complete hoax in the fact that they give diseases. Because I do not believe mosquitoes give us diseases. I'm firm on that, 100%. And, like I said, I'm always open to changing my mind. being produced in cooperation with this station and 124 other local television stations across America. HHS to add the AIDS virus to the list of contagious diseases for which immigrants and aliens seeking permanent residence in the United States can be denied entry. They are presently denied entry for other contagious diseases. Dr. Fauci, do you see a pattern in the spread of AIDS worldwide? Well, the pattern is that it's clearly being established as a worldwide epidemic. The individual countries that are involved now, there are approximately 115 countries in which the, uh, the disease has been reported in. The WHO has reports that there's approximately 10 million uh, infected individuals uh, in the world. It's probably closer to 30 or 40 million. Ms. Chavez, as a former Reagan administration staff member, how do you view our current immigration policy on AIDS? Well, there is no absolute right to immigrate to the United States, and the government does have the right to deny people entry for a variety of reasons, and AIDS has now been added to that. I think, unfortunately, it's probably a little bit uh, emphasis in the wrong direction. Frankly, in terms of, of immigration, uh, American citizens probably uh, risk discrimination in the future from other countries not letting in Americans because we have more cases of AIDS here than, than other countries do. Interesting idea, and probably very true. 
wondering about American citizens traveling overbroad, extensively traveling. Uh, what are they bringing back here, and how are we going to check that out? Could you be more specific about what are you concerned about? What are you worried that uh, they're bringing back? Uh, the virus. Well, one of the problems is we're in a high-risk area right here. I think, you know, when we talk about immigration policies, the only thing I can figure is the State Department feels it's better to give than receive. <laughs> because we have given AIDS to many, many people around the world, either through sexual contact or through blood products that we have exported. I think one of the problems when we get into this is it was sort of alluded to, you're going to start having walls going up. Okay, I was wondering, um, I'm a student here at David Lipson College, but I'm from Florida. I was wondering if anything has been done about the illegal aliens coming across from Mexico and people coming across from Haiti as to whether or not we're going to strengthen the number we're allowing in or how we're going to control that. I, I think you, you misspoke when you said strengthen the number or you want to limit the number of, of immigrants. Okay. He wants to limit the number of immigrants coming across well, the border. That's not an age question. We've been, we've been trying to, to limit illegal immigration to this country for uh, the, all of this century, and we've tried different means. We've just passed a new law to, to uh, impose sanctions against employers who hire illegal aliens. Uh, we've never been able to solve the problem uh, of illegal immigration. We have a very long border with Mexico. Uh, but I don't think that we should assume that because illegal immigrants are coming into this country, that because they're illegal, they're any more likely uh, to be AIDS carriers than someone who comes here legally. I, I want to I check with him. Is that your assumption? Was that your assumption that, that these immigrants coming across the borders from Mexico and Haiti are, in fact, more likely to be infected with AIDS? Uh, no, I just figured that with this being number of illegal aliens coming across, that we're not having a way to find out whether or not there are more or less, and we need to limit or find a way to try to stop or strengthen our protection on our borders. You know, I think it's sad that we keep looking outside. We should look within and <laughs> deal with our problems here instead of trying to blame somewhere else. Although we're talking about uh, the global spread of AIDS, uh, the question keeps coming to my mind as all of the topics that we've talked about is, you are experts, and I have read, having to be a registered nurse, has, have read quite a bit on this subject, and other experts disagree with you. And my question is, how do you know who to believe, what to believe, and on what part of this whole process? Uh, how do I make a decision when you, as experts, disagree? I think it depends on what you mean by disagreeing. I think that if you look at people who have any experience and looked at the data, overwhelmingly they will tell you that it is not spread by casual contact. And what we're seeing here in these polls with the quarantine answer, the, uh, the answer with regard to casual contact or what have you, is a skepticism about that. But I don't think there is very much disagreement among experts at least experts who, who, who are informed experts, that in fact there is not casual contact. I know of no good researcher anywhere in the world who disagrees with the statements that we have been making. I think one of the problems we get into, and, and it was, I think, uh, John, you, you came up with some of that at the time, and that is uh, how do people understand it? We have to look at relative risk. When nothing is absolute, and people want absolutes, and there just aren't any absolutes today. Well, there's one absolute right now. We've got to get over to Renee and get out Absolutely. of this subject. Absolutely. This <laughs> is the AIDS Connection, and the dialogue continues. I'm absolutely...
keep it vague, keep the fear going. And there you've got your captive audience, right? And that clip, this I just wanted to play you that so you can kind of get the general attitude of things, um, was from 1987. So, <clears throat> yeah, so that's that, right? Um, you can tell that those kinds of conversations aren't happening, but here again, the one guy kind of acted like he wasn't into it, but enough said. Let's wrap up this Zika thing um, right from the lips of Mr. Bill Gates. So here is the deal. Bill Gates publishes a blog called Gates Notes, okay? This is from August of 2022, and this also indicates how Quickly, this is evolving, right? Because we're moving into all these factories of mosquitoes. I'll just read it through. This factory breeds 30 million mosquitoes per week. Here's why. 
These mosquitoes are allies in the fight against dengue and other deadly viruses. Inside a two-story brick building in Medina, Colombia, scientists work long hours in muggy labs breeding millions and millions of mosquitoes. They tend to be the insects every excuse me. <clears throat> they tend to the insects every need as they grow from larvae to pupa to adults, keeping the temperature just right and feeding them generous helpings of fish meal, sugar, and of course blood. Then they release them across the country to breed with wild mosquitoes that carry ding and other viruses threatening to sicken and kill the population of Colombia. So they breed these mosquitoes in Medellin, no, Medellin, M-E-D-E-L-L-I-N, Colombia, and they release them across the country, so that means they're releasing them across Colombia, right, to breed with wild mosquitoes that carry dig. So we're already leaping ahead here and assuming that these wild mosquitoes carry this ding, right? <coughs> I'm not gonna, <coughs> excuse me. You know, as hard as I try to turn my head and cough, I just, it just still comes across as like I'm coughing right into the microphone, so. <coughs> so, it goes on to say, then they release them across the country to breed with wild mosquitoes and carry that carry ding and other viruses threatening to sicken and kill the population of Colombia. <clears throat> this might sound this might sound the beginnings of a Hollywood writer's horror film plot, but it's not. This factory is very real, and the mosquito mosquitoes being released don't terrorize the local population far from it. They're actually helping to save and improve millions of lives. Here's how they do it. The mosquitoes being produced in this factory carry bacteria called Wolfbachia. W-O-L-B-A-C-H-I-A. It's not wolf, it's Wolbachia that block them from transmitting dengue and other viruses such as Zika, Chicky, and yellow fever to humans. So now we know that this Wolbachia, W-O-L-B-A-C-H-I-A, is something that blocks them from transmitting this, supposedly, right? <laughs> By releasing them to reproduce with wild mosquitoes they spread the bacteria, reducing virus transmission and protecting millions of people from illness. So, first of all, the mosquitoes produced in this factory, they carry this bacteria, right? <laughs> well, you do the math. <clears throat> it goes on to say... <laughs> Well, right there, millions of millions of mosquitoes, they are carrying a bacteria. Okay, let's not skip past that part, okay? goes on to say, I've written before that these amazing Wolbachia mosquitoes, including last year when a new study showed how effective they could be in pre preventing diseases. 
And you do remember that Bill Gates was a computer guy, supposedly, right? Now he's an epidemiologist. Okay. Okay, so last year when new studies showed this, so last year would have been, what, 2021, right? Okay. See, this is pretty current, right? Including last year when a new study showed how effective they could be in preventing diseases. The randomized controlled trial conducted in Indonesia in Yogyakarta, Y-O-G-Y-A-K-A-T-A, Indonesia, Facts matter, kids. We have to always figure out the sources, okay? Because I would imagine if you start looking around Indonesia, probably a pretty big increase of diseases after all these testing in the area, right? But I'm just guessing. <clears throat> so, the randomized control trial conducted in Yogyakarta, Indonesia, found that Wolbachia-carrying mosquitoes reduced the number of dengue cases in the city by 77% and Deng hospitals by 86%. In a new study in Medellin, that's Colombia, Deng cases have declined by 89% since Wolbachia mosquitoes started being released in 2015. These results these results are a huge breakthrough, offering proof that the new technology will protect entire cities and countries against the threat of mosquito-borne diseases. Now, see, this is interesting, right? Because <laughs> they're saying that in these two locations, Medellin, Colombia, and Indonesia, I think I said, that they're saying that these results are a huge breakthrough offering proof that this new technology will protect entire cities and countries against the threat of mosquito-borne diseases. The, this is a name you're looking for. The World Mosquito Program, which is leading the Wolbachia effort, is now releasing these mosquitoes in 11 countries. <coughs> Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, Australia, Fiji, Kerbari, New Caledonia, and Yanatu. N-A-V-A-N-U-A-T-U. That's a pretty big list. So what you're looking for, this is very important because this was 2022, this list will probably have some more updated details. You're looking for the World Mosquito Program, okay? And what's, re I'm continuing to read here, and what's remarkable out there, Wolbachia mosquitoes, is that once enough of them are released to offer disease protection, it's a solution that's self-sustaining. Over time, families will be spared the heartbreak of losing loved ones and communities won't need to spend money on prevention and treatment for these mosquitoes borne illnesses, freeing up funds for other health priorities. The World Mosquito Program aims to spread Wolbachia among Aedes aegypti mosquitoes, a tropical mosquito that is a host for dinghy, yellow fever, and other viruses. 
Malaria is spread through a parasite called Anopolis mosquito and is not a focus of the Wolbachia effort. That's good to know, right? So, malaria is evidently separate from this whole new effort, the Wolbachia, W-O-L-B-A-C-H-I-A effort. With climate change, there is an urgency to the World Mosquito Program's work. As global temperatures rise, Aedes aegypti mosquitoes are finding more regions of the world habitable. Excuse me. Aedes aegypti mosquitoes are finding more regions of the world habitable, <clears throat> increasing the spread of these diseases. The biggest risk is posed by dinghy which infects more than 400 million people each year and kills 20,000. The demand for these life, now, now see how the words are starting to uh, become more marketing. Now the mosquitoes are life-saving, okay, <clears throat> according to Bill. The demand for these life-saving mosquitoes continues to grow, and that means the World Mosquito Program needs to produce hundreds of millions of Wolbachia mosquitoes. That brings us back to the factory in Medellin, which is currently the world's largest <coughs> mosquito breeding facility in the world, producing more than 30 million mosquitoes per week. Other World Mosquito Program sites around the world are also breeding Wolbachia mosquitoes, but Columbia's is currently the largest. And remember, this is, this is moving rapidly, okay? So from 2022 to now in 2023, just look for Wolbachia. Once you get the right word, it all opens up. Until now, killing or repelling mosquitoes with insecticides insecticides, bed nets, and traps has been the priorities, not mass producing them. As difficult as it is to kill mosquitoes, raising them by the millions may be even harder. Mosquitoes must be bred, fed, and housed under ideal conditions for them to grow and reproduce. The factory in Medellin has been perfecting the process and improving its efficiency so they can breed and release Wolbachia mosquitoes on a large scale. The centerpiece of the mosquito factory is a colony of Wolbachia mosquitoes called the brood stock, from which all future populations of Wolbachia mosquitoes offspring are bred. The brooding stock offspring are then raised to create millions of eggs which hatch when put in water and become larvae. Fed with fish meal, the larvae grow to become pupa, which then become adults. To thrive, adults need sugar. So, um, and th there's some article that says, check out this story about how researchers in Zambia are exploiting mosquitoes craving for sugar to create a new bait that will control the spread of malaria. I don't know what that. 
and bl so see they're just it seems to me now maybe it seems to me that a lot of this stuff appears to be in the present tense right it seems to me like they are just now since they got those babies the zika babies is what they call them zika babies just look for that term the zika babies in brazil they got the zika babies now we're rolling down the hill and we're producing mosquito factories see how this all works okay because remember they needed those babies to get the pictures to scare everybody into compliance with the pesticides now they're saying that they until now they only had killing them things with insecticides right but now they're getting the brood stock and they understand sugar well gee this is pretty elementary stuff right once a factory has bred millions of eggs and adult mosquitoes they are ready to be released the eggs are packaged in small gelatin capsules each containing 300 eggs which are given to residents to drop in water to hatch the advantage <laughs> so, wait a minute. the factory is breeding millions of eggs okay and the eggs are packaged in small gelatin capsules and each capsule contains 300 eggs which are given to residents to drop in water to hatch what do I keep saying we're paying for our own eugenics right okay the advantage of egg releases like this is that the eggs can easily be transported long distances and they can be hatched as needed. The factory also releases adult mosquitoes by the thousands from the back of motorcycles roving the city. See, my view is they had to get this whole thing sold before they started releasing all these mosquitoes, right? There's always a there's always a cause and effect, right? Because otherwise, had they not d done this whole setup, then people would say, "Hey, why are mosquitoes being dropped off from motorcycles?" Right? They want the public to perceive this as health, right? So, from the backs of motorcycles roving the city, the World Mosquito Team is also experimenting with releasing from drones. And remember, I was just talking about the U.S. military is developing drone projects through their African bases. The adult releases allow the Wolbachia mosquitoes to immediately begin mating with the wild mosquito population and spreading the virus blocking bacteria. Well, I think they're spreading the actual bacteria, if there is any bacteria, because I don't think that's even true. I think that everybody's getting nailed by these chemi chem chemicals. I'll go on. It's exciting to see how far the World Mosquito Program has come. Years ago, the idea of releasing mosquitoes as an ally in the fight against diseases struck many people as crazy. But support for this innovative solution has caught on in communities around the world. These amazing mosquitoes are taking flight and saving lives. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, are there any comments here? Um, okay, this was, I just read the article about mosquito breeding. I am living in West Africa for nearly 10 years. Is there not a possibility to create a similar solution to prevent malaria? Hmm. 
Well, I don't know. Um, the research found laboratory reared mosquitoes infected with a naturally occurring non-harmful bacteria. See, they're saying this Wolbachia is a non-harmful bacteria. That, that This should be when they say <clears throat> it's non-harmful. Your hair should have been set on fire by that point. When somebody like Bill Gates, the WHO, or the U.S. government says this is non-harmful, your hair should immediately disintegrate into a blast of fire on top of your head, okay? <laughs> okay, so laboratory reared mosquitoes infected with a naturally occurring non-harmful bacteria, Wolbachia, resulted in a 77% decline in den cases in trial areas within South America where the treated mosquitoes were released. This approach has been shown to be effective because the males of these treated mosquitoes pass on the Wolbachia to wild females they mate with, and the subsequent generations continue to spread the Wolbachia bacteria, which have the ability to inhabit viral reproduction but with no negative environmental impact. The Wolbachia-infected mos mosquitoes become self-sustaining, causing a rapid reduction in the prevalence of dengue virus. Now, how often do we then hear um, that later it's like, well, I, I think we kind of miscalculated this, right? I, we, we didn't understand these parts here. So, <laughs> I don't get the idea that um, it says, why is dengue a problem? Dengue is a mosquito-borne virus that for several decades has been steadily increasing in spread and impact across the topical and subtopical belts of the world and will continue to extend to its reach, especially into lower-income settings. Around 400 million cases are now registered each year compared to 15,000 cases in 1960. So, 400 million cases of dinghy now versus 15,000 in 1960. And when did they introduce pesticides? I rest my case. The mosquitoes that carry dinghy, certain species of the 80s group, are the same mosquitoes that carry Zika and the chicky, yellow fever, and others. And these viruses are also on a trend to rising global impact. The speed at which dinghy is growing around the world has underlined the need for re more research into the disease and its vectors. Well, I'm not going to go through and read any more comments because I am of the nature. Increase in this stuff started around the time of these chemicals got going, right? Um, well, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. What I'm trying to what I'm trying to get you to do is looky looky, okay? I believe 100% non-stop this is all being created by chemicals. So that's that's what I believe. You have to come to your own decisions. How safe is any of this? Do you trust any of it? Do you trust anything these people say? Well, that certainly is a personal decision, right? <laughs> How did we get so confused? Part of the problem may be that we do not understand evil. We do not understand that somebody would be capable of such evil, particularly amongst the most vulnerable. That's why you always hear the 1% talking about their concern for the children. It's a trick, so that way people don't suspect them. And then sadly enough, the 1% ha 
have not been having their own children for the last couple of generations because they're all transgender. So what's happening? Well, they're getting children from actual real women. So how did we get so confused? Well, really, all they had to do was trick us about the word psychopath. If you ask anybody now, they will tell you that the image of a psychopath is Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy is emblazoned in all of our brains, right? This idea that serial killers might be hanging around in the next alley ready to kill us immediately, right? It's, it's provided people with a whole genre of true crime. It's provided endless income into this view into murders and mass murders, right? Well, I was really into true crime. That's exactly how I got into this work 25 years ago because after being fully engaged in true crime, I started wondering, well, aren't there more of them? Like maybe some of them sitting around us? And that's exactly how I began. And it was exactly how I earned my early reputation as being crazy because early on, I saw them as surrounding us, right? And the clever trick was, they wanted us to think psychopaths are like Bundy, okay? So how did we get that way? Well, they never, here again, in all of these cases, they do not do research, right? There's a gentleman called Robert Hare. I met Bob in person. Robert Hare is the world's leading expert on psychopaths. He did a study using prison inmates over 20 years ago. That study is the focus of his book published in 1993, titled Without Conscience, The Disturbing World of the Psychopaths Among Us. No studies were ever done since then, okay? But first we have to ask ourselves, well, where did Bob Hare, he's a, he's a Canadian, also transgender, also a psychopath himself, so where did Bob get his work from? Well. Bob got his work from a man named Hervé Milton Cleckley. Interesting character, he was an American psychiatrist and pioneer in the field of psychopathy. His book, The Mask of Sanity, originally published in 1941 and revised in new editions until the 1980s, provided the most influential clinical description of psychopathy in the 20th century. So, what is Cleckley best known for? On many occasions, Cleckley was asked to testify at important trials. An example was the 1979 trial of Ted Bundy, who murdered more than 30 people. Bundy received a mental health evaluation from Hervé Cleckley when he was on trial for the Florida murders. Cleckley is considered to be the father of psychopathy. He diagnosed Bundy as a psychopath. Cleckley went on to testify that Bundy was a classic psychopath but was not criminally insane. The Bundy trial was fake. What does this tell you about Cleckley? Bundy was the first televised trial in this country. All televised trials are fake. 
If you see a trial in the United States that is being televised, it is not a true trial. The Ted Bundy trial is where the definition of psychopaths grew wings, thanks to Cleckley. Cleckley was also involved, I talked about Cleckley in the past, Cleckley teamed up with the person that started the K-rations, the most evil way how to feed us, the K-rations, they introduced that during World War II. Cleckley was involved in that because they were doing work in mental words, wards and feeding children a lot of corn and stuff to give them diseases <laughs> to then come up with what they fed the military, okay? That, that's Cleckley, okay? So, where did Robert Hare get his work from? Well, he got it from Cleckley, right? And he's been, Bob Hare has been distancing himself in the last years from his connection to Cleckley, but it is there, okay? Robert D. Hare was born on January 1934 in Canada. He was raised in a close-knit, working-class family. You see the backstory starting to fall apart here. Hare's father was a roofing contractor who spent much of his time during the Great Depression riding the rails and looking for work. I can guarantee you Bob Hare's father was not riding around on railroad cars looking for work, okay? Um, they say his family dated back to Montreal in the 1600s, okay? Robert Hare is a Canadian psychologist who made major contributions to the field of criminal psychology and forensic psychology. He is best known for his research on psychopathy. Hare is the creator of the Psychopathy Checklist and the Psychopathy Checklist Revised. Hare advised the FBI child abduction and serial murder investigation resources. If you go over to Bob Hare's site, hare.org, he's closely <laughs> identified with the FBI. Hare is currently a professor emeriti of the University of British Columbia. He is considered to be the world's foremost expert on psychopathy as he has spent more than 30 years studying the condition. Hare now works closely with law enforcement and sits on several law enforcement committees and boards in Canada, the UK, and the United States. He describes psychopaths as social predators while pointing out that most, most don't commit murder. He has been nicknamed Beagle Bob by his close friends for his ability to follow a scent. So then, why do you think I'm always talking about get to the center of it. So if you're not already suspicious about Bob Hare to begin with, and by the way, one of his buddies did write the forward to my book, and I don't have the energy to go into it all because Carl, they're, they're all in on it, okay? The whole idea is to confuse the issue. So how did Hare get started? Frustrated by a lack of agreed definitions or rating symptoms of psychopathy, including at a 10-day International North Atlantic Treaty Organization Conference in France in 1975, Hare began developing a psychopathic checklist. <laughs> Bob Hare happened to go to the NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization Conference in France in 1975 to talk to them <laughs> about his work with psychopaths, okay? You don't find the NATO the NATO connection a little bit alarming here. Okay, so 
produced for initial circulation in 1980. So, yeah, so he meets up with the people at NATO in France, 1975. Then he comes up with the psychopathic checklist to identify. And what he did was that checklist really only identifies what he considers from a criminal mind, right? Because remember, Hare's most famous quote is this. He, he also lined up with another person to do a book about corporate psychopaths. <laughs> His most famous quote, which I will leave you with, this is from Bob Hare. If I wasn't studying psychopaths in prison, I'd do it at the stock exchange. Robert Hare. Well, <laughs> you kind of notice he missed the stock exchange, didn't he, right? <laughs> so that's how we got here today. And actually, you know, what's that old saying? The fox guard in the hen house. So that is exactly how we got here, surrounded by psychopaths. And as a matter of fact, while I'm on this subject, I, did, I wrote a book interviewing three male psychopaths. And I will give you the information about it because I started offering my book for free a few years ago. People were complaining so much on social media. Well, I'd buy your book if I could afford it. So I said, okay, how about if I just give it to you for free, okay? Now keep one thing in mind. I wrote that book before I started. When I wrote that book, I was offered two deals to turn it into a podcast. I turned those deals down, even though they would be highly paid deals because I smelled a rat, okay? Well, that didn't go over well with people that I know in my media circle because it made me look like I was lazy and <laughs> didn't want to sell my work. But anyway, so after I wrote my book, um, the same people were really happy to see me write my book. So actually, the, the editing alone of my book was $1,200, okay? And I have only sold, oh, I don't know, maybe five or $600 worth of books, right? Because who trusts me, right? I'm not one of them. So um, anyhow, so bottom line is, so a couple of years ago, I'm getting concerned because lockdowns and all that, and I'm thinking, I wonder if maybe if I could get people to read my book, if maybe they might think about the people they're currently surrounded with, just to make sure that they don't have like a psychopath living in their house because you're going to start to find out when things go bad and that's probably not the time to find out right so what I did was I offered my book for free so then the comments I got from social media were well you must have made a lot of money on it because you gave it away for free not true other com that's why you gotta stop being mind readers okay but the other comment most common was well it's an e-copy I don't like reading e-copies <laughs> so anyhow for what it's worth it's about 300 pages it defines the mindset of psychopaths better than any of these other people have so and I conducted the interviews <coughs> via writing so I could get the most oh another thing people would say I got this review a couple reviews like this on Amazon they said well she sure was nice to those psychopaths <laughs> well what do you think I was supposed to do? Ask them questions and then challenge them, antagonize them so they wouldn't answer any more questions? So yeah, I got all kinds of crazy comments. But for what it's worth, if you're hanging around and you'd like to understand a little bit closer what actual everyday evil <laughs> actually looks like, you can go to my website, psychopathinyourlife.com, and you can click on, it says at the top, Psychopaths in Our Lives, My Interviews, Book Download. And right there, you can download it for free. It says, you will read in their own words how they approach relationships, how they manipulate their partners, and what they think about 
and what they think about provides readers with a rare opportunity to enter the personal lives. So yeah, they will tell you all you need to know to looky-looky a little closer to the people that you are currently aligned with. And here are two quotes from the psychopaths that I interviewed. The person you need me to be in order to trust, confide in, support, and promote is the person I will become. Being free of unpredictable emotional reactions and guilt, I am free to be whatever, whenever, and then change that when necessary. This Steve guy was very interesting because his quote was, I was 11 when I knew I was not like other people because I saw someone die in front of me. And then everyone was so upset about it. And then I didn't see why. That was Steve. Okay, so I am going to, I am pretty sure you're not going to hear from me again. <laughs> I'm not going to look into the money that Bill Gates is made, making at his company. I thought about all that stuff. I would suggest that looky looky go look at how much he's making on all this stuff it's all being paid for by the taxpayers right so this is a money grab because I keep reading things about well under Obama when Zika first came up or whenever it first came up in Brazil they issued millions and all this kind of money so there's been a lot of money floating around already I think now that Bill and his crew have these mosquitoes lined up and ready to go well, look out. I think mosquitoes are going to be the wave of the future as far as money grabbing. Got to be a lot of money in those mosquitoes. And any time they can cause great harm and make great money, doesn't that seem to you like it's kind of like one of their patterns? <laughs> be safe out there. Goodbye for now.